This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're going to the beach, hanging with in-laws, and touring modern society as we watch spines 110, 111, and 112 in the Criterion Collection. Jacques Tati's Monsieur Hulot's Holiday from 1953, Mon Call from 1958, and Playtime from 1967. But first, RJ, how are you? Uh, well, you know, I'm alive, mm-hmm. so that's one knock against that. Great. Uh, I'm okay. I spent the weekend, uh, Andrea was gone all weekend, so I did the manly thing on Friday. I went out and I bought an entire cake and a pack of hot dogs, and uh, not that like not that I don't know how to cook. I do know how to cook. I just wanted to be a lazy, fat piece of shit. Yeah. So uh, I ate a whole cake. Oh, the whole deep like and delicious that whole deep and delicious one of those McCain freezer cakes. You ever you ever have those? Oh, I have. I'm aware. They're a quality product. Mm. They're a quality industry. Mm. They definitely <laughs> deliver on what they're selling. I guess. Hey man, I I like those because I think they used to give those away at KFC. They did. So, so when we were younger, you know, it was a little treat every once in a while. We get a we get a little visit from the colonel, get a big bucket. That was when they still had those sweet buns too. So you get a bucket, you get them sweet buns, and you'd get one of them McCain cakes to wash it all down. And ooh, baby, uh, I was fat, and I still am. <laughs> yeah. Because I ate an entire McCain cake this weekend. Yeah. On top of all your regular meals. Uh, yeah, I, well, I made this thing that I don't know if I've ever talked about it. It's kind of like a fan, a beloved family dish. Uh, whenever I mention it to other people, the general response is usually revulsion just because everyone's like, Ugh. so I think my grandma on my mom's side made this because they were poor. You, you cook up some macaroni, right? You drain that bad boy and then you slice up a whole pack of hot dogs and, uh, you like little nubs, you put the hot dogs in the macaroni and then you scramble like eight eggs and then you pour the egg over it and then it kind of cooks and it sticks into little clumps of macaroni and hot dog. Hmm. And then you open up a can of V8 juice and you just pour it right on top, baby. Ooh, girl. Hmm. See, he's he's grimacing in disgust, yeah, but yeah, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, you had me up to the V8 juice. See, everyone gets lost on the V8 juice, but it's it's actually just think of it. If I didn't tell you it was V8, if I was like, "Oh, it's a tomato sauce," you would you would have thought it was an <laughs> Italian. Why delicacy. wouldn't you just use Italian? Why wouldn't you just use pasta sauce? It's better with V8. Are you it's sure better. about that? Have you yeah, tried? Have you, have you tried it with not V8? No. Okay. No, no. So not, it's, not, but, it, not. but it's better. It's better with V8. Yeah. And it's uh it's good. So I made I made a pile of that on Friday and I actually it was like my meal for two days, I think. I just ate that alternating between the hot dog thing and the McCain cake for like two days. <laughs> and now Andrea's home. <laughs> Reason is hid, returned. Yeah, I, I hid my shame from the world. See, I only do these things when she's gone. Yeah. I know how to I know how to cook. I make good food all the time. I just when she's gone, it's like, you know what? I'm going to make that family recipe that everyone thinks is horrible. Not, not that they've tried. I actually, I gave it to one person one time and he actually thought it was pretty good, even though he was skeptical too. So, right. But uh, I usually reserve such shameful indulgences uh, for when uh, I won't be judged. Right. Except well, for here on yeah. this podcast. Right. This is 
uh, a house of judgment right here. Yeah. Or will you try it if I make it one day for you? Sure. Nice. Okay, I'll make it for you the, uh, some other time. Okay. I'll so, even show you how to eat it. Sounds good. Okay. What about you? Nothing, man. I'm just living the life uh, post uh, post semester break, and uh, it's, it's feeling high school, it's, right? Yeah, I'm break. Yeah, out of high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thirty four years old, just getting out of high school. Uh, hey, you're, you'll get your grade ten one one, one day. day. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting it. I'm working on it. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, no. So that's been nice. Um, nice. I don't know not much to say about that. Cool. Yep. Weather. Weather. Uh, hey, RJ, we got an Yo. email. No, we didn't. We did. Woo! Big Josh is back. Ooh, the Wrestling Hall of Famer? That's right. Wrestling, coming out with bears, dressed as a lumberjack. Big Josh Frazier. Nice. What's he up to? Uh, well, he writes us, hey, guys, referring to the comments made by Martin Scorsese, that was last <laughs> week in our news oh, segment. Yeah. Uh, where he talked about how Rotten Tomatoes is devaluing films by reducing them to content. And while I agree with that, I don't agree with his dismissal of other visual mediums not being on par with film. Take Donald mm-hmm. Glover, for example. His new music video is probably the most effective, relevant, and just well-made piece of media put out in 2018 so far. And his show at Atlanta is fantastic. What do you guys think? P.S. RJ, is there any way to force Jared to watch a marathon of all the MCU movies? Oh, baby. Okay, wait, we got to address that first. I think that should be one of those Patreon goals, like, uh, or like a reward for the fans, for the mm, Patreon fans. Yeah. And let's put the bar real high. If we get $5 more a month, Jared, Jared <laughs> will marathon oh, no, all no. of those MCU movies. We no. could, we, maybe we could, if people are interested, we'll do one of those live commentaries. I usually hate oh, those. Oh, one oh, for, for, ni- for 19 movies? Yeah, uh, well, maybe just uh, they're, the they're, real they're, they're, they're all two, over two hours long. Cause well, yeah, but you're a monster. Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. Not not for no $5 more either. Okay, well, what, what's a put a real price dollar on this. Because what do you have uh, my live Salo uh, Shia LaBeouf style camcorder thing at? What oh, do we have to make it, for that? It's, like, it's a mere $50 for a month. Uh, all right, well, then do that. Uh, if we get fifty dollars a month, I'll I'll rewatch Salo with a live stream of my reaction, and you have to marathon all the MCU movies. Mm, my so my my pitch to you uh, the other week when this was the, mm. uh, when I was talking when I was complaining about Doctor Strange, and you were like, "Yeah, you should just watch all of them." And I said, yep. "Hey, if you if you buy them all from me on Blu-ray, I'll watch them." That that was my uh, that was my uh, offer. They're, and they're my, there. my response, which will be left uh, unaired. Because of legal reasons, uh, no, I think I, was I think was I, it, you said something about touring. I don't know what that means. Uh, yeah, go on the, to, the grand tour. Yeah, go on the tour. Tour. Yeah. tour they're so tourable. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what that means. Certainly doesn't sound like a legitimate thing that one would do if they're a law-abiding citizen. And it, and it also, it's like I could do that, but that'd be like easy. And then no one else has to put any effort in. No, no. If uh, if people uh, pony up and. Uh, and uh, send me those uh, those on Blu-ray, uh, mm. whatever, whatever ones aren't on Netflix, whatever I don't care in Canada. Uh, I'll, what about I'll watch digital them. codes? I'll, I'll, and I have to watch them on my fucking laptop, and I could do that anyway. So mm. no, nope, that's where it, that's the line right there. I'll watch I'll watch them, but uh, it's gonna come out of someone's pocket. That's that's the deal. 
I don't think that's fair at all. I, I think it's perfectly fair. Because hey. I never even agreed to that Salo rewatch. You just did that on your own. <laughs> well, we're not there yet. We're uh, not mm. even halfway to that. So come on, folks. If you want, yeah, but... if you want the pain, if you want, to br- you want us to bring the pain and bring R- maybe let RJ reassess in this uh, latter phase of the Criterion Creeps project. I mean, he, I think he's grown as a person. I think on a rewatch, he'll really have gained a new appreciation for uh, uh, Pierre Pasolini's uh, greatest work. No, no one cares about that. Literally, nobody cares about that. You, what we you, want oh, is you your hot take you, you on know, the MCU. That, that's not true because uh, consistently, Salo is one of our most listened to episodes on both YouTube and on the SoundCloud. It's up. You know there. how much that bums me out. <laughs> that that is our most listened to uh, episode. People, I'm not kidding. People want to know. Yeah, because people are fucking perverts, Did or you... they don't want to watch it themselves because they know. They know. Uh, or they're looking for uh, a free copy of it online, and then uh, they go, oh, fuck, this, stu- this is a stupid podcast. Uh, I mm. want to watch poop being eaten and people being sodomized. That's what they're all about. They don't want to listen to two guys talking about that. Yeesh. To to uh, oh. Josh's other question, uh, RJ, mm-hmm. did, did you uh, watch that, uh, whatever, I Am America or This Is America? This That's is it. America. This is America. Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I thought it was a good music video. Uh, my pants weren't uh, blown out in the back by by any means, um, but I am a fan of his music. Yeah. I have a couple albums. I, I listen to it. So right. for me, it was just more good things. I like it. I like Donald Glover. And I think if Josh, Big Josh remembers... A couple weeks ago, I was t- talking about Atlanta on this very podcast, yeah. and I was telling you that I think you should watch it because I think that show is really good. I guess, yeah. I mean, I'm not like my uh, Donald Glover life kind of only extends to Community, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, God, that show that that movie he did, Mystery Team. Did you ever see that yep. movie? Yeah, that's the movie he made, right? Or like, yeah, his group, his little, mm-hmm. yeah. Which I I like that movie all right enough, uh, but yeah, that's kind of like my whole view of that Donald Glover. So uh, mm-hmm. I didn't really know he had a rap career uh, or hip hop career, uh, mm-hmm. doing music and stuff like that. So I just saw that both you dudes watched it this weekend, this music mm-hmm. video, and so I checked it out before it became like the hotness and all the talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was okay. Like it's just kind of a, it's, to me, it's a music video. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, this stuff's been doing done for a while. I don't know. I it didn't stand out or anything like that. And I don't know if like, I'm trying to remember what, uh, Marty was talking about last week, but I don't know if he was denigrating music videos. I mean, he himself has made music videos. If you recall, I, I think he was saying that too much is too much of things get lumped together now where it's like you, you watch a movie and then you get an ad for a microwave and then you like see like, I don't know, like a, a vine of something like a six second, like instagram video and he was just like it's all content and none of it has a meaning anymore because it's all consumed at mass yeah something like that yeah i feel i feel like his big biggest thing was more the uh just how people blow through content so Mm -hmm. rapidly um and everything is reduced down to things and they use something like rotten tomatoes feeds into that way of like sorting out information where it's like it doesn't really uh offer a way to like spend time with anything and i mean everyone's guilty of that we're guilty of it like mm-hmm. i mean we'll be talking about like almost 20 movies today um jesus and, and uh yeah and it's like there'll be somewhere like i don't know i don't remember anything about it and it's like that's like is that a way to be watching is that a way to live life i don't know but here we are yeah. 
and no one reads anymore. So it's all like everyone everyone complains about that. So I mean, if people aren't watching movies closely, they're not reading. We're just mm-hmm. we're, we're we're turning into perfect consumers though, because we're we're yeah. we bringing it in and churning it out. Uh, everything's kind of generated for like pre-generated controversies and stuff like that. And people are all prepared to like almost say all the obvious things. Like I saw some stupid comment about this music video of like. Whoa! Why is it showing this white mob chasing him down? It's not all white people who are racist. It's just like, holy fuck! Like yep. that—that's what you—that's your response, huh? And it's that—it's—it's it's like that. This is like we're on a hamster wheel. We just keep going back to the same old shit over and over again. Mm-hmm. Well, see, that's why I think people actually lean towards these things when they are good, because it's like there's other people on the other side like that that are so stupid. That that is just like, well, yeah, we need these things to maybe try to show other people, hey, don't be stupid. Yeah. But it doesn't stop them. They'll never stop, Jared. They'll never but stop. But yeah, I think Atlanta is like really good to the point where um, I get, I'm actually pretty excited because I'm on the weekly schedule now. I'm pretty excited each week when there's a new episode. Um, I, I really like it. I think you should prioritize that and watch it ASAP. Season two is... Not to blow it out of proportion, but season two is very good, man. Like, it's got some pretty cool stuff. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Very good, man. I don't know. Very good. I, I was trying to Let's tone it down. Let's not say things we can take back. I was trying to tone it down. Uh, the Teddy Perkins episode, which is like the horror episode, is fucking awesome. Like, it's really good. It's a half an hour long of just good stuff, man. No. You'd like it. I You would like it, I think. So okay. just give it a chance. Uh, it's, it's in the queue with the terror and like every other good television show I'm sure is out there that I've never watched. Watch Atlanta before you watch the terror. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And I, I really like the terror, but I think Atlanta is very good, man. Is that done now? The terror? Uh, Well, it, it was kind of weird. Like it was released. Yeah. All on the same day by AMC. And so it was out there, but it was also being released weekly. So I think it is wrapped up now on the weekly, but they were all of the episodes were available like a month ago. Right. So I watched it by legal means on AMC. So uh, I've been week to week. Right. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Well, of course. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Thank you, Josh, for your thoughts. It's mm-hmm. nice to hear some feedback on on uh, news. Yes, I guess, yes. I don't know. That might be a first or something. Anyways, so it's yeah. always nice to hear from people. So, yes, if you're listening, folks, people we've yeah. never heard from before, please feel free to email us. We read everything. All those Salo fans, why don't you email us? Yeah, yeah. I, I can't be the only one. A fan, mm-hmm. a big yeah. fan here. Uh, exactly. Anyway, hey, RJ. Uh, Yo. What, what you been creeping on? Uh, well, remember last week I said I was broken and I'm never going to watch movies again? Yep. Uh, I wanted to do that. Uh, so I went to the theater and I watched, uh, Marvel's The Avengers Infinity War. Mm -hmm. So my continue, my reign of not watching movies was still held, held true as that's not a movie. That's a corporate, uh, uh, it's commercialism. (laughs) Uh, which, which is something I've, I've seen a lot of people talk about. Um, yeah, so I went to Avengers Infinity War. I forgot to tell you, uh, we were asked to leave the mall when we went to that movie uh, be- from mall security. Uh, we were outside before the movie started. No, there was good reason. <laughs> uh, we were outside before the movie started. Uh, my buddy Hammy was having a smoke. 
and uh, he had a pink lemonade and then he pulled out uh like a mickey of vodka and he was pouring vodka into the pink lemonade because meat likes to have a little little libation during the movies <laughs> uh and the security guards came and they're like hey hey don't do that get out of here get out of here and we're like all right so we drove around to the other side of the mall and then we we walked into the movie there <laughs> but uh this isn't the first time little, little meat's been uh caught doing things uh i think when i went to see it with him last year he pulled out and just an actual bottle of vodka in the uh. movie and he just started drinking it and like i remember a guy uh down the aisle like i saw his head poke out he was like what the fuck well, you could for smell, good reason smell it <laughs> yeah well I'll, I'll put it like this i don't i don't exactly condone his behavior but i will say he keeps it to himself right so he it's he doesn't like because I remember when I went to see The Fighter, some guy snuck in an entire case of beer and then started yelling at the theater. And then he got kicked out and he was carrying his case of beer out. Nobody knew how he got it in there. But uh, so at least a little meat's not disruptive to other people. So anyways. Yeah, I don't but know. He f- yeah, uh, just to, yeah, uh, drinking at the theater. It's one thing I can say I've never done. I've been at some midnight screenings where people have uh, yep. loaded up their Slurpee cups and... Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was like a midnight screening yeah, thing. That. People have done that, and they just hang out and have a good time. Um, yep. I, I'm there. For I'm time, there yeah. for the the, the cinema. Mm. Yeah. Well, this doesn't count for that. I think. No. Uh, but yeah. So I went to me and Will meet went to Infinity War. Was it packed? <clears throat> it was packed. It was a Thursday night, and it was completely packed. Yeah. Uh, I got to say, the worst part of this movie was the theater experience with uh, Marvel fans. Holy fuck. That was brutal, man. Hmm. There was like a dude in front of me who threw out all of the previews. Ha ha. Yeah. Woo. Like just screaming at like the Ant-Man trailer. He's like, it's Ant-Man. Look. <sighs> and then like his friends came into the theater and he's like, oh, you chumps. You got to sit in the front row. And I was just like, man, I was like, this is the reason I don't go to. I don't like going to theaters anymore is people like this. <laughs> so there was that guy and like he was annoying he wasn't super bad but he was pretty annoying uh there was this couple beside me and i i'm not like mad at them but like the it was a guy and a girl and the girl had clearly never seen any of these movies so he was like explaining everything to her he was like this is like going on like this because in the last movie they did this but then in the other movie they did this and like i get that these movies are a little bit like they're 20 deep so they're like if you haven't seen them you might be lost but it was even to the point where when thor was on screen the guy went that's thor and it, i was just like okay i know you want to go go out with your girl but this is the wrong movie dude take her to something else like don't be selfish uh i mean i think i think the point's moot but i remember like i think last year when i went to see logan i remember like yeah. it was like a lot of like single dudes that like probably have girlfriends, but it seems like they're, they weren't coming out to these movies anymore. So this, would you say this one, there was like a lot more, there's far more women than you would expect. Oh yeah. 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 Well, this is the, well, this seems to be the one. Yeah. There's like this hype that like, I kind of like, I 
didn't notice it really at all. I, other than like this movie's going to make a lot of money, which I'm like, yeah, they all do. But it seems like there's all these articles who are like, if you're going to watch this, you got to make sure you watch at least these movies. And it's like, who cares? Like, I'm like, well, like in my mind, I'm like, well, don't they, all these people watch all these movies anyway? Like, I just assume that you would like they're they like Marvel superhero movies. They watch them all, but apparently that's not the case. Apparently not. Um, yeah, so like, there's people just who are going to see it because because they've heard it's the big ticket movie. It's like the big yep. one to go see. And I'm like, that to me is just like strange. Like if I were invested, because I mean, I haven't seen this movie. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care about spoilers. Um, yeah. I, don't, I, I don't care. Like I'll watch these movies sporadically. I've like watched them yep. all out of order at this point. Um, and I just like, because I know the comics. Like I already like yep. know the shorthand. There's just like, I don't mm-hmm. care. I don't care. Um, I haven't it's seen... all cookie cutter anyways for a right. guy like you. Like you, you can figure it out. Yeah, I can. You be can like, fill in those gaps. Yeah, I can be like, well, in the Jim Starlin written uh, mm-hmm. Warlock comic, that's not accurate. <laughs> Um, exactly. I, I saw some of that being busted out by a couple of uh, people I know on the, the online, and uh, I was just like, "Oh boy!" Oh, there's all sorts of that. How? I, I but my question. My, my, anyway, anyway, the last one I, I just have to say, like, this is going to be a long episode. Sorry, but I have to say the last one in the audience. There was a guy in front of me, and he had like a maybe four year old kid with him, and I don't mind going to movies with kids. It's fine. Like they're kids. I get it. This was like a nighttime show, mm. and this little kid, like, any time, like, when people were on screen, he'd be like, Loki, Loki, Loki. And I was like, oh, come on, kid. And then it would, like, Ooh. switch to a different character, and the kid would be like, that's not Loki. That's not Loki. And I was like, ooh, man. Because, like, I don't, I'm not mad at the kid, but it's like, for that that parent, it's like, dude, you should, like, Maybe came to like a, a matinee where there's other kids and it's or like don't take your kid out to like a nine o'clock show of a movie that's like four hours long. <laughs> anyway, so that one was annoying. But yeah, so the movie itself, Jared, mm-hmm. Uh there's been a lot of build up to this thing on what we would think. Uh, I don't think it's very good. Uh, I'll give it a little bit of credit. Um, I don't have the common complaint that a lot of people have that it was boring and too long i actually thought it was fine like it does have entertaining parts and i think these movies are made in such a fashion that they they hold your attention for the most part because there's like there's so much fucking shit going on that it's i think it's hard to i don't know i think it's hard to like just kind of like be like oh i'm I'm not i'm bored of this because there's so much going on all the time Mm -hmm. but uh so I'll, I'll give it a little bit credit there where it's like, yeah, that stuff was – I didn't think it was boring. It's entertaining enough. Um, Thanos is pretty cool. Uh, he's pretty good. Is it the most ambitious villain yet? Probably, but that's because all the other villains suck. Um, I think you really – I think for me, I, I mostly just started to root for him because it's like, yeah, all between all the people in the theater, I was like, yeah, half of these people could just die <laughs> now. And you know what? The world, the universe probably would be better. So I, I was kind of rooting for him. I was like, yeah, go for it, dude. <laughs> uh, I think this movie has a lot of problems, though, other than that. And it's some like I've seen other people say things and it's it's all the same now. This is kind of old news, but tonally, it's kind of all over the place. It's got those classic Marvel zingers that I don't even think like I think when I hear some of these jokes, I'm, I'm just like, ugh. But there was people in our theater fucking just roaring laughing. Like the aliens come to Earth and Tony Stark's like, Earth is closed. 
and then he like sasses and like that's a real line in that movie and i was like ugh. but there was dudes behind me and they were just fucking loving it and i was like oh really god really so like they're i i guess it works that's what people want but the movie yeah. like bounces back so much between like super serious and then like real goofy jokes like that and it's just there's too much going on like i didn't have a hard time keeping up with it but i think it's really a fault to have all of these characters in here just to have them in there. Like there's some of them that are there for like a minute just to say that they're there, but it's like cut all of that bullshit out. This movie would be 40 minutes shorter and it would probably be way better just because you didn't have to include everyone in there. And then there's scenes that they like throw in that are there to include other characters. And you're like that. It's like, this is just bringing it down. So I think stuff like that is really bad. Uh, what else? Mark Ruffalo gives his worst performance of his entire <laughs> career. I'm not kidding. It is so, so bad. I couldn't believe it. His delivery of lines, it's like, I don't know what he was doing. I, I don't know what he was doing. He was just there. Um, what else is there to say? I have a lot of, uh, oh yeah, to, to comment on big Oliver Granger's thing about Peter Dinklage, worst cameo of all time. Mm-hmm. I think I agree. Maybe not all time, but of I don't know if he said that of the year for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I don't know how that's not seen as like offensive. I won't ruin it for other people, I guess. But I don't know. In my mind, that'd be like, uh, I don't know. It, it's like, I think it's like blackface almost. <laughs> so like I, I saw it and I was like, no, no way. And then I was like, this seems offensive. I don't know. I, I have no like inside knowledge of that stuff. So I was like, I don't know, man, maybe he's cool with this. Maybe everyone's cool with this. Everyone at the theater was cool with it. But I was like, this doesn't seem right. Mm. But no one else seemed to have that problem. So I don't know. Uh, And then mostly uh, my problems are with comic book plot type stuff where this one really like, I don't know. There's too much of this stuff that it's just like, doesn't make sense like i think i think i like dr strange as a character but i think he really breaks these movies because his inclusion like those characters can do anything right and then when they don't do anything it's just like it's like why not like i really have a problem with the sling ring thing because they use it whenever it's convenient to them and not when it makes sense. Like there's a time when they're fighting Thanos and it's like just put a sling ring right in his stomach and then and then close it and then he gets cut in half. And it's like why not do that? There's a scene earlier in the movie where a guy's arm gets cut off by one of those sling ring portals. So you know it's it's part of it can be done. So it's like I don't like that stuff and then I I don't like the Infinity Gauntlet. I never really liked that comic. I thought it was too goofy where there were scenes where... Oh, God. Like, that that comic is not good. Like, it never was was good. Like, no one... That doesn't ever actually appear on anyone's, like, best graphic novels of blah, blah, blah. Like, it's not a good... It's not a great comic. It's, like, very superhero-y. I mean, it's kind of like... It's like Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, the DC equivalent of the big crossover, which is, like, what, 86? Six um, and like they're neither of them are good. Like they're bad comics, and I, I would argue. Like for me, like they are not to my taste whatsoever. I uh, I mean I think Infinity Gauntlet is readable, whereas I find Crisis on Infinite Earths is not because Marv Wolfman captions yep. and George Perez art busy mm-hmm. or they're too busy. But yeah, Infinity Gauntlet is just like it's cool. it's like Thanos is a good villain. 
he or he always it's, has been. Yeah. And it's just like because most of the best parts of that story happened before the actual miniseries. Yeah. Because it was like Thanos Quest, I think it was. Um, well, yeah. See, yeah. that's what I, like those are parts of the movies that are actually good. When Thanos is on screen, it's actually not bad. You're like, this is a cool guy. I want to see what he's doing. And you, they do a good job like showing him. But then whenever he gets an Infinity Stone, it's just like. It's like I, I I have a real hard time suspending disbelief with this, like the reality stone. One thing in the comic I always hated was I think it's Drax or someone who's like, you're not going to do it while I'm around. And he's like, round? No. Cubed. And then he like turns him into cubes. And that happens in the fucking movie. And like I always hated that. I was like, I hate that kind of thing. And it because it doesn't work in this either because there's a huge part in this movie where – it's like he has this re- the reality stone. He can do anything, but he still like fist fights dudes. And I, it's like, why? <laughs> Just fucking like, why? Like, you don't have to do that stuff anymore. And I know that's like a nitpicky thing. But another thing is like he has to like move his hand for it to work. There's a whole 20 minute scene of them fighting him where he's like, don't let him close his hand. It's like, that's what makes that fucking thing work he has to move his fucking hand for it to go he can't just like do it so there's stuff like that that i i really i just i really don't like uh there was other things too like when they try to bring back other movies and this is a doctor strange one too thing too like they get tony and uh bruce banner together and they're like we got to find uh captain america and uh doctor strange is like do you know how to find him and then uh, Iron Man pulls out like the cell phone that he got in Civil War. He's like, I could call him, I guess. But it's like everything you've seen with Doctor Strange so far is that he he knows everything. Like when the aliens showed up, they went to the like a sling ring opened up in the park where Iron Man was. And it's like, hey, we need to talk to you. It's like, so you know where people are. So anyways, it was just a silly way to like shoehorn in that cell phone yes. thing that they had at the end of Civil War. And then, okay, so the last thing I'll talk about, okay, thank and then you. I'm done with this mini <laughs> We're, we're is done. The, is the en- the ending that everyone was like, oh, like there's, people there's, who there's like fan this reactions. Movie. There's yeah, like people, a people like they, they, they like, oh, it's, it's so amazing. And then there's everyone else who's like, yeah, but if it sticks, it's like it's not going to stick, you guys. It's not. And I, I feel like I, I think it's really shitty for a couple of reasons because it's like I think it's shitty because the characters that they choose to kill in this movie are like big major characters it's like there's no way they're dying uh, you know that like we know they, they have sequels in production and i guess maybe that's part of like that's part of the problem is you know so much about these things just through being on the internet it's like well i guess that ruins it for me but i also think it's shitty like on marvel's part like the two directors the russo brothers are like no those deaths all count it's all nothing's it's all real it's really happening and it's like who- of course it is it's of course it's really yeah. happening but that doesn't yeah, but mean it'll get it can, re- it can be fixed because it's yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not like it's a dream. Yeah, and like I, uh, I didn't like stuff like that too. There's even tongue and tongue and cheek parts where Thanos like holds up a character and he says, "No resurrections this time." It's like, who are you saying that for? Like, how do you? Because it's the first time he's met that character. It's like, why would you? It's like, why would you say that? What does that have to do with anything other than to tell the audience yeah. no resurrections this time? So, did, so, did people freak out at the end of the movie that you, oh, like, in the theater yeah. you were in? Were they like, oh? Yeah, yeah people did freak out. Uh, oh. When there's the big death that is memed real big right now, the I don't feel so good thing, that guy with the kid, uh, the kid was freaking out, so he had to leave. And I think it ruined it for a lot of people because it was right at that scene and there was a guy walking through the whole crowd. 
Like, so, <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, people people did lose it at that, and um, but I don't know. It's like it's so it's so hollow. It's it doesn't <laughs> matter. It doesn't like you know it doesn't matter. So, anyways, that's Infinity War, man. I don't want to talk about it. I I've already given it way too much attention, yep. but that's uh i I took one for the creeps and it's out there now that's our opinion nice that's our opinion that's our well i know you'll you won't like it yeah probably not there's a pretty good chance of that but you never know you never know hey um tell me about the accountant i was gonna tell you about the accountant yeah so because i i I don't want to watch movies anymore i was trying to get things to like revitalize me so i've had the accountant for a long time which I don't know if you heard this, but this was the most rented movie of last year. Uh, the Accountant is a movie starring Ben Affleck, and he plays an autistic guy who is an accountant, but he's also like a secret assassin type dude. It, it's a little muddled at uh, like what he actually does because he does accounting for like. Uh, they say he uncooks books for like big or big like um, I don't know black market people or some shit like that. So there's this movie called The Accountant, Jared, <laughs> and it stars autistic Ben Affleck. And this movie has some like just amazing stuff in it. Like the way that they portray autism in this is top notch. I think uh, I know a little bit about it. Uh, they actually do a pretty good job with some of the stuff, but I think Ben Affleck, I, I think I overheard or I saw on Twitter one time, Tucker Stone said like they, they miscast this. If Tom Cruise was the accountant, it would have been perfect. And, and if Ben and Affleck was Jack circle, Reacher. Like Rain yeah, Man. yeah, exactly. It would have been full circle, but uh, Ben Affleck does a good job for the most part uh, where he like, I think he he shows like a lot of the behavioral things like accurately, except for in the middle. I think he forgets that he's supposed to be autistic and he kind of loses those qualities for a bit. And he's just Ben Affleck for a little while. So what is this movie about? I don't know. Ben Affleck gets called in to do a job for John Lithgow. And then you see his background where him and his brother, their mom left them and his dad was an army guy and they take Ben Affleck to get doctor help. And then the army guy's like, no, or the doctor's like, he needs like really low sensory input. Um, and the, the army guy's like, no, no, what we're going to do is we're going to crank it up. He's going to have maximum sensory input. He's like, it's the only way to survive. So, like, you see the army dad, like, making his autistic son, like, go fight homeless kids under bridges. (laughs) And (laughs) I'm not kidding. He's, like, fighting homeless kids in France under bridges. And then, like, he has him, like, uh, training with, like, Chinese guys, like, learning karate. Uh, So that's pretty fun. And then you see, like, Ben Affleck, like, he does the accounting stuff, but he also... Like, when he feels like it, kind of, he can go and, like, take people out. So that's part of it, too. Uh, This movie's got, like, a star-studded cast. Like, uh, J.K. Simmons. uh, What's what's, uh, the Bluth in Arrested Development? Jeffrey Tambor. Oh, okay. Uh, He's in this. Anna Kendrick is in this. Uh, What's his name? Other guys. That guy from The Walking Dead from the first two seasons, Shane. Okay. Who is a big actor now? Anyway, so The Accountant, I actually thought was like pretty watchable. I, I liked watching Ben Affleck go around and do this stuff. 
it's uh sometimes it's a little bit much do you think we can get that quote on the uh on the dvd uh pretty watchable <laughs> rj Baylog criterion creeps podcast pretty watchable yeah. sometimes uh i don't know like i actually i kind of enjoyed it to be honest it was like a really refreshing <laughs> refreshing movie to watch after what we've been through the last couple of weeks so it's just him going around like fighting dudes and then doing math for like 10 minutes and then fighting dudes <laughs> and doing math doing math that's, that's not doing, like a good time uh the the way they make this movie is they try to like weave these three stories together where there's like current time past as kids and then like what and then the other past of like why they got to where they are and it's not great, but whatever. It works more or less. Hmm. I don't think you would like this movie. I, yeah, I, I don't even know this movie really exists until I'm like, you, when you say like, I'm show watch the accountant. I'm like, what? I'm like, what is like, that? The accountant. I'm like, there's yeah. like all these movies that like sound like this movie title, and I'm always like forgetting. I'm like, oh yeah, that movie happened, but yeah. like, no one's ever going to talk about it ever again. I feel like I've been talking about it for like 10 minutes and I haven't even you said know. what it's about. No, it's well, you, you did. It's about math. It's about math and, and then taking people fight, out. Fight, fighting people, bums under bridges and stuff. That sounds like yeah. pretty, pretty good on paper, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't, it's not executed <laughs> as good, but uh, it's okay. Tell there, me. There's some, yeah. Anyways. Anyway, tell me about anime. Anime. Yeah. So in my Your, part of my rehab. Yeah. For uh, my cinema rehab, uh, I, I wanted to be an anime baby this weekend because I was like, you know what? I haven't watched anime in a long time, and I feel like that'll really get me out of this funk. Some really high-quality anime. So I, I got some Jarrett picks here. I started off with uh, Vampire Hunter D and then Vampire Hunter D blo uh, Bloodlust. So Vampire Hunter D is from 1985. I think you talked about it on a ghoul school or something like that. Maybe. Uh, it's like so. It's this future world where vampires post-apocalyptic, yeah, post-apocalyptic world where vampires and other monsters live in the world, but they're not like uh, they're not necessarily like the rulers. They're kind of just there, and then there's people live there too, and they're kind of always battling each other. And you get some pretty rad scenes of like uh, people fighting werewolves and mutants and like ghouls and ghosts and, and stuff and like they're that. They're so awesome looking. Oh, every okay, yeah. Everything is really awesome. Uh, I so I really like this. Uh, I think the best way to describe it would be like Castlevania on meth, hmm. uh, because it, it's just kind of like Castlevania. Like you have this one hunter guy going against this kind of family of uh, vampires, and then on the way to get there, he has to fight mutants. And there's a couple werewolves, like, and uh, there's monsters and stuff like that. So yeah. he's making his way up to the vampires. Right. It's like very um kind of like it's like that yeah post-apocalyptic dark fantasy thing that like I think people wish that maybe uh, the Dark Tower movie was essentially yeah, Vampire yeah, yeah. Hunter D instead. Um, that's that's a good way to look at it actually. Yeah, but I mean, um, I think a live-action Vampire Hunter D would be not good because it just. Mm -mm. They would, especially nowadays, they would never be able to hit that tone right to make it work. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I think it, I think this is perfect as an anime. Uh, I actually really like this. I thought mm -hmm. it was a, this is like exactly what I yes I want to watch an anime is crazy shit like this, and there's so much stuff where I think they don't treat you like an idiot. Where 
he, they, they like do things and they're like, we don't need to explain it. And it's like, not that you would figure it out. It's just like, it doesn't matter. Like, uh, the one, the main character has like a face living in his hand <laughs> yeah. and they don't even explain it. And it's just like, whatever. It's like, we just thought it was cool. We're just going to throw it in there. Yep. And I love that. I, I think stuff like that's awesome because it's, it's like I said, they don't think you're an idiot. They're like, you'll figure it out yeah. or you won't. Whatever. Who, yeah. who gives a shit? It's just like, yeah, isn't that messed up? He's got like a, an entity that lives in his hand. Lives in his hand. Yeah. Uh, this has all the classic anime stuff where it's like some unnecessary nudity here, mm-hmm. here or there. Uh, there's a lot of strobe in this, like a lot of strobe lights. And this and Bloodlust uh, had them both, I think. I'm I'm getting anime confused now, but right. uh, no, yeah, uh, Vampire Hunter D is wicked cool. Um, it's like this guy, and uh, he comes across this farm where one of the kids kind of gets stolen. So he he like helps them out, and he's like, "I'll go fight these vampires for you." So he's kind of like making his way to the castle, and on the way, it's like I said, he's got to fight all these monsters and ghouls and stuff, and it's it's awesome. It's yep. it's exactly the kind of anime that you would want if you want anime. That's right. Yeah, this uh, I kind of put up there with kind of like a Fist of the North Star or um, Ninja Scroll as far as like the the kind of like people call me, like, oh, they're like adults. But it's like, no, they're for like 14-year-old boys. But like mm-hmm. that's awesome. Like that's fine. Like the, you can do That's like, exactly real... what I wanted. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Like it's a 14-year-old boy movie, but that's what I wanted to watch yeah. was something like that. So uh, I thought Vampire Hunter D was really good. And then I watched Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust, which came out 15 years later in mm-hmm. 2000. Uh, I think this one is also really good. I didn't like it as much as the first one. Um, this one's way longer. Yeah. Uh, the first one's 80 minutes, and this other one's like two hours. And is it, it kind really of that long. Yeah, because I remember being yeah, too is, long, but I didn't. It, I kind of forget that it was that long, and it's very it's, protracted. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, like the whole finale is like quite like. Yeah. So this, <laughs> yeah, this one is like you have a vampire who's taking a bride and then Vampire Hunter D gets like kind of hired to go get the lady back. But there's also another group of like vampire hunters that have been hired to go get this lady back. But the lady wants to be with the vampire and they're kind of like making their convoy out of the country or whatever. Uh, this one, since it's 2000, it has a few things where it has like some CG stuff yeah. mixed in with the anime, which I don't really like. I think that just the oh, normal drawn you, stuff you is do, so, do, so much. Do better. not watch anything nowadays. It's like yeah. it's gone really out of hand. Like yeah. like well, that uh, Godzilla thing oh, from, yeah. oh man, that it's it's frustrating and there's like all this new stuff like they're doing remakes of series and it's all just like this weird medley of animation and uh loss of cgi and it does not they haven't figured it out and it's really strange because there's like some good examples of it there was this one called uh gankutsuo and it's like an adaptation of uh gankutsuo i think is what it was uh it's an adaptation of uh the uh, count of monte cristo and it's Mm -hmm. done as like kind of a set in like kind of like the far future like 30,000 years in the future. Um, yeah. And it does this really weird thing with the the uh, the textiles of the costumes mm-hmm. of all, everybody where it's like they're using all this like crazy sparkling fabrics and they're actually using fabrics underlying their clothing. So it, it kind of has like a weird flattening effect, but it's super like uh, stylized and in the right way where it still holds together. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there's the uh, the other one uh, series I actually quite like a lot, like a lot called uh, Pula Magi Madoka Magica. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, of course, obviously. Uh, but of it course. also it does some like neat experimentations with like using actual textures and stuff like that, and putting them in and kind of compositing mm-hmm. it. Where like these are like it's a show about fighting evil witches, and the witches all look unworldly, and they don't look like they fit in with everything else. But it works conte- like yeah. in, the, in the context of the show. But with Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust, I remember that was like when they were really in the two thousand. They were really pushing that like blending of technology. Like if you ever watched Metropolis. Mm-hmm. It's there's a lot of that there too, and it like it's okay, but it gets worse and worse over the next like eighteen years. Yeah. Where, yeah. Well, yeah. So like it wasn't huge in this movie, but it was an it was there enough that I was like, eh. and like you said, it's frustrating, and it's mostly just a bummer because going into it right after Vampire Hunter D, it's like the drawn stuff looks so much better. Yeah. It's like I I get why you, like it's so much. I, I guess like a time saver not to do that now, but yeah, that was a burp in between there. But um, I don't know. So Vampire Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust is still good. There's that. There's also this like love story in there, which I don't really care for. It's it just takes up a lot of time. And then the other Vampire Hunters, it really really reminded me of Blade Two. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I guarantee Guillermo del Toro watched this son of a bitch in 2000. <laughs> it and is then in strong possibility of that. It, it like to a T like the way that the characters are like the main other event. It's like a squad of vampire hunters. And the main one is like this cigar smoking, like dude who's like kind of big. It's exact. It's Ron Perlman from blade two. And then there's like the heavy character who has an ax to the point where like that guy has like a line of makeup down his chin. And I'm pretty sure in blade two, that guy has that too. There's like a girl who's like real fast. Like, I don't know. I'm starting to think blade two is one of my favorite movies, by the way. I love blade two <laughs> top five ever made. I'm starting to think though, that this Guillermo del Toro guy borrows pretty lifts, pretty heavily from Japanese cinema. So I don't know. I don't know. It's a good place to lift from. Yeah. And he's, and so he's, I, and he's doing live action stuff, which is fine. Yep. Why not? Yeah. I just, I noticed, I was like, this, this is Blade 2, I think. <laughs> but anyways, uh, what do you want me to talk about next? Uh, well, I, what do you got? You got am a, I done? Akira. Uh, Akira. Yeah. Yeah. So I won't actually talk about this too much. So I watched Akira. Uh, I've never seen it. Uh, this is apparent, allegedly the best anime ever, or it's the most popular. influential. Yeah, it, anime it defi- ever. I'd, I think it's a better way to describe it. It's definitely it. a crossover. Like it's kind of a big yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, so I, I've never seen this. I've heard about it forever. Uh, but I was like, you know what? I'm on this anime baby watch. I'll, I'll give it a. I mean, it's time to do it. Um, so I really liked Kira. I thought it was really good. Uh, it's got. I can see why people say it was influential. Like there is a lot of really cool stuff like that in there. Uh, I was actually surprised by the story because I didn't know anything about it. Hmm. And it wasn't at all what I expected it to be. Because all I know is that poster of the guy going towards like the light bike kind of. And uh, that was all I've ever seen or known about it. I've I've been pretty good avoiding this movie. Not that it's out, you it's out there so much you avoid it, but yeah. I was surprised. I was like, I didn't know that that's what this movie was about. Right. Uh, so I I thought it was cool. Like all the like the Morlock kids, like the chuds, <laughs> and they're like Bleh! they're like doing mutant stuff. And then mm-hmm. uh, uh, I did I really did like um the kind of play between uh, the two main characters and the other guy who's just like gets kind of corrupted by power and he's like you were always shitty to me 
And I was like, yeah, that's a good that's a good like way to hum- bring this kind of down to earth, man. So, did you, uh, so I guess you guess you watched this after you watched uh, Chronicle, because the Chronicle basically just full on lifts the climb like the whole oh, Tetsu- yeah, yeah. all the Tetsuo stuff is like right yeah. from this and like it's which is oh, like oh are you a, saying that Chronicle wasn't original? <laughs> I'm hey a Chronicle actually ha- did a decent live action version of the Tetsuo st- stuff which is good like you can't I mean it, it didn't fuck it up it didn't fuck up the drama of that which was nice it's yeah. a, a novel thing yeah so, and, uh, uh, at one point uh, Jordan Peele was attached to do a live action Akira he was you know who also who else everyone was? every single everyone? filmmaker in America yeah. has been attached to direct Akira at some point Warner and, Brothers and, offered Christopher Nolan, uh, I think, the entire world to make mm, this movie. Right, yeah, yeah. I, I think there was also something about uh, Keanu Reeves uh, was was to play uh, uh, one one of the characters here. In he was gonna be one of the teenagers. Yeah, yep. Because that's how nice. that, you know, there it was. It was very scary. Uh, the, some of the ideas nice. uh, floating around for that. Yep. For, for, I mean, it'll one day happen, but who? Yeah. So yeah, I I actually don't have too much to say about akira i thought it was really cool um i will say this though when i was watching it near the end i honestly i kind of just it just made me want to watch uh neon genesis mm. well, i was like i kind of wish i was does. watching yeah i was like i kind of wish i was just watching evangel uh, evangelion so yeah. but no yeah akira is pretty cool and then I'll, I'll round this up uh with a rec- um a Ryan pick, a friend of the show, Ryan Nagel, suggested I watch this movie called Perfect Blue, mm-hmm. uh, which I'd never heard of. Really? Uh, I've heard it. Yeah, I've never heard of Perfect Blue, but Satoshi Khan uh, did yeah. Paprika, which I've heard a lot of things about how like Inception is kind of like that movie. Sure. Paprika, like people make that comparison. So a uh, friend of the show suggested Perfect Blue. Mm hmm. And uh, I didn't know anything about this either. I was like, sure. Yeah, I'll throw this bad boy on. Uh, I really, really like this one. It's about like uh, a girl, like a young girl in Japan, and she's a pop idol. But she doesn't want to be a pop idol anymore, so she she wants to be an actress. So she moves to acting. Uh, and then <clears throat> on, like, on the side, you have all these kind of like fanatic – uh like stock like you have this one fanatic stalking fan who like doesn't doesn't like that she's leaving pop you have all these other fans too who you see all throughout the movie that are like kind of talking about her career and it's like why would she leave it's like oh did you catch her episode last night it's like oh yeah she wasn't even in it for that long so you have this whole like subculture of these people following this act this girl and then you have the one guy who's like kind of a stalker about it and uh, I didn't realize, but this is like a horror thriller. Yeah. Uh, and I, so I wasn't expecting that. And uh, I was surprised and I really liked it. So you have that. And then you also have. So when she's being an actress, she's like given this role that's kind of made where she has to do these questionable things, not questionable, but like she has to be portray like a rape victim and stuff like that. And it, it goes really against her her type like because she was this kind of perfect pop idol thing and, and this thing's like way off to the side uh they even mentioned jodie foster at one point in this anime they're like well jodie foster did it and that uh, <laughs> accused yeah uh so then like she's doing these things and the people who are her fans don't like it because it's against type uh and then in the kind of in the back burner like 
you see the people she interacts with that are make like uh, that are part of the show, like the writer of the show and like the photographer, they start to like they start getting murdered on the side. So that's what Perfect Blue is about. I really, really liked it. Uh, I think it's, I, I think at its like at at its core, it's just a really good story, like of this something that seems like a, a pretty real thing especially like in America where you have like these pop, like any, like any kind of like pop culture icon and they try to move into something else. Like you have these fans that don't like it. I don't know. Uh, this thing has really good music and I thought, uh, it was really, really well made. Um, like it's really, it's edited really well in in a point. Like I don't ever notice editing and stuff like that. Like it's not something I look for, but I thought the way that this thing, was put together was really well done. Like it's like, yeah, that's exactly like the perfect place to add this scene here. Like scenes really f- flew well into the next one. So yeah. Anyways, I really like perfect blue. I don't know about uh, you. Well, I, I have not watched it since I was like little eight, kid, 18, 19. Cause like, uh, one of the first things I did with my first paycheck working at KFC right out of high school. Oh, gross. I, I bought, I bought uh, the Neon Genesis box set, Akira, yeah. and Perfect Blue. <laughs> so, Whoa. Uh, yeah. No, uh, I have not watched uh, Perfect Blue in a really long time. Like, I remember really liking it. Like, I think, yeah, it's like I liked it, but it's been so long that I should definitely rewatch it. Um, yeah, the one mm-hmm. thing it's always it's always compared to like it's like Hitchcock, and I mean essentially it's just like an animated like it doesn't have like the the shitty fan service stuff that usually kills mm-hmm. anime uh, for many normal people. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's like it's part of like that echelon of like serious drama movies that you could like have people watch and be like not be like really like oh god people are gonna think less of me when they watch this. Yep. But yeah, I, I should yeah. rewatch it. I mean, I've got it too, but uh, I uh, haven't watched it forever. Yeah, you should rewatch it. Um, it's also I was gonna say too. I another part that's like it, the storytelling is really good. There's a it's kind of like a unreliable narrator in a sense, right. where the main character you kind of like question her uh, stability, and they just they do it in such a good way. Like uh, the way certain scenes mix together. It, I don't know. I think it's really really. Um, good storytelling so perfect blue is wicked yep anyways that's all i watched uh did you watch anything or no i sure did I <laughs> what watched, did you watch I, I watched too much so i'm going to try to speak about them in uh uh themes <clears throat> okay so first up uh i think the first thing i watched after we recorded last week was the video dead What's that? Uh, so this movie comes on a two-pack with a movie called Terror Vision that Scream Factory put out on Blu-ray like several years ago. Uh, yep. I only ever watched some of Terror Vision, which I was not a fan of at all. Uh, I was like expecting something totally different, and it is a mm-hmm. super campy 80s horror movie. Um, I should probably rewatch it now that I kind of know what it is and see if it's better. But like going in, not expecting something completely different and it is like real cornball. Like everyone's like in on the joke and it's kind of like, mm-hmm. if you're not into that, it's unsufferable. And so Video of Dead was the movie that accompanied it. And I didn't really know anything about it. And it seems to have kind of like a shitty reputation of like, oh, it's not that great. People refer to it as a shot on video movie, which 
it's not at all. Like it's clearly shot on film, uh, but people have really bad eyes and they just parrot things because they read it once. Uh, right. So the video dead though, RJ. I mm-hmm. think you would uh, enjoy this because it's very much in the mm. the wheelhouse of uh, like Nightmare Sisters and other like eighties horror like comedy. I guess like there's a sort of like a dark comedy streak running through these films. Um, mm-hmm. And Video Dead is just like characters talking in kind of this weird stylized way that people only ever talked in 80s movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's talks of aerobics and getting a, your master's degree Ooh. in aerobics. You never, you never get, but you never get to see it though, which is unfortunate. Uh, but it's just like a story about uh, this guy who's like gets a delivery uh, mm-hmm. of a television to his house that he didn't order a television but the delivery guys kind of make him take it because they don't want to put it back on the truck and he like kind of sets yep. it up turns it on and of course the problem with this TV is it's haunted and uh, out from this TV come zombies who are like on this television movie that's like c- coming up on this TV that come- turns on by itself and it's like uh, it's like this, this black and white movie that's like footage of zombies walking around, which like, and it looks mm. cool. Like it's really neat looking footage. Like it's not, it's like no movie. It's just like footage, like at an angle of these zombies walking across like a kind of like grassy forested area. And then mm-hmm. one of them notices you looking at them watching and it comes toward the screen and then the TV explodes and out come zombies. Uh, they kill that, mm. they kill that guy. And then uh, the house gets sold off. The TV is left down in the basement. Uh, The daughter, who's like, looks like she's like 30 years old, gets there because her parents like live in Saudi Arabia. uh, (laughs) And like, that's where they're working and stuff like that. So she gets there before her younger brother does. And uh, one thing leads to another. The TV gets plugged in again and reactivated. And now zombies are wandering around killing people. Uh, I don't know. I enjoy this movie like way more than I expected. It is not like a perfect movie or anything like that, but it's got so much charm going for it. It's got like weird shots of like domestic life. And I kind of talked about this in my uh, little letterbox review of like, Mm -hmm. like flushing toilets and like gross (laughs) floaty shit in like plugged up sinks. Mm -hmm. And like, just like the carpet hasn't been vacuumed and just like these weird details that are like, Oh, like this feels like a really lived in house. Like, or like, it's like, there's like a film group there's like people filming a movie in this place and it's like being lived in on the sides and it's not being like mm-hmm. cleaned up by like crew to make it look always perfect so it has this like strange quality where you're like man this feels like a real house in a way that like movies never feel like it like if you watch poltergeist it doesn't feel like anybody lives in that house it's a movie set and this yeah. though it's like no this is clearly a house that they're filming this in and people mm-hmm. are like hanging out and like they're not oh shit we forgot to vacuum or oh let's like make this sink look really gross like the way it really does so it's like has this yeah. quality to it and then it's just like a goofy kind of like zombie movie where like oh we got to we got to catch the zombies. We got to get them, uh, got to trap them and stuff like that. But it works. I like this movie. Uh, I think you would dig it too. Hmm, um, cool. I follow that up with another movie with dead in the title called the dead next door. So Oop. this movie came about because I was reading that book on full moon entertainment. And All it talks right. about this like window of time when like Charles Ben was like at his lowest point. Um, <laughs> and he got involved with, uh, this group called Tempe, Tempe, Tempe entertainment. It's like T E M P E. So temp entertainment. I'm not sure. Uh, the guy whose company it was is a guy named J R Bookwalter. And his his claim not a real name. Oh, it is. He's this guy. He lives out yeah. in the Midwest, and his 
claim to fame was back in like the late 80s, he worked on this passion project of his called The Dead Next Door. Uh, it's this zombie movie that he just made like with the camera and it's like basically trying to like be, make a Dawn of the Dead love letter movie. Like it's mm-hmm. very like the zombie effects with no money, little like resources look like very Dawn of the Dead at times, like the sequencing and stuff like that. Like there's so much stuff you're like, wow, this is very Dawn of the Dead, like mm-hmm. kind of over and over again. It never really, it's no, it's no Dawn of the Dead. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess like Sam Raimi, it came out later, was actually giving this guy money to finance this movie. So he was like getting, this movie was getting Kickstarter before Kickstarter was a thing. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. So this movie is like, I don't know, back in the day, and people still kind of regard it as like this kind of like high watermark of like low-fi, low-budget, uh, ambitious filmmaking. I guess mm-hmm. it like had like a budget of maybe like 80000 to $120,000, which is still quite a bit of money for even like the late 80s. Um, what I'll say about it is uh, definitely the, the gore and effects and stuff like that, uh, when they put that effort in, look quite good. Uh, they're just like, it just feels so so long. You're just watching like all these guys, all these people who are all like dubbed over because that's the way low budget filmmaking works sometimes, or sometimes mm-hmm. in a Jacques Tati movie. Um, and like they had like Bruce Campbell do some of the like actors' voices over people who aren't Bruce Campbell. Uh, Why? Just because he has a, he has a good speaking voice, and it's better, okay. I guess it's better than the guy who actually was in the role. Um, anyways, it's just a story about like the zombies have taken over and it's like, we're five years into a zombie takeover and it's just people mm-hmm. wandering around the Midwest and there's, there's cultists cause you, why mm-hmm. not? And they're, they're doing things with zombies and I don't know. I couldn't really recap this movie very successfully. I just, you're kind of just watching it for like good little gory effects here and there. Um, but I don't know. It's interesting. This guy's like got a whole slew of movies he worked on and produced that mm-hmm. I know what to expect coming out of him. In fact, RJ, uh, the third film that comes out of this mm-hmm. Tempe Entertainment is a little film called Ghoul School. Wow, I thought we watched the Ghoul School. Oh, we we did. We it's one in the oh, same. Oh, one in the same. Yeah, ah, I see. So it's a Ghoul School comes out of the same. Uh, neck of the woods is these films. Nice. So I, I've uh, been working on a list of compositing all these films. You can see mm-hmm. a real, these are all shot on video types of uh, films, <laughs> things that you probably don't need to ever watch, but I find it interesting. It's like, well, this is all one studio putting all this stuff out. That's kind of mm-hmm. interesting in itself, right? It's kind of like the criterion of this sort of movie making. Is that what you're going to go with? Yeah. I'm going to stick okay. with to that. Okay. So, uh, I felt I got the horror bug after watching all that full moon. I stuff. saw, yeah. And uh, so I, here's a couple of themes that I went through. Uh, I think last school school I talked about there's the the La Casa film franchise mm-hmm. that is like not a real film franchise so to recap for people who don't listen to ghoul schools and i'm sure you don't care anyway uh, italy mm-hmm. uh they really like those evil dead movies evil dead yeah. and evil dead 2 over there they call them la casa and la casa 2 um so not, that doesn't stop them to be like hmm let's just keep making evil dead movies house movies mm-hmm. so they just like a couple of different like filmmakers would make haunted house movies and they in Italy would call them La Casa 3, La Casa 4, La Casa 5. Uh, in three of these movies cases, they were Italian productions being made in the States. Uh, last year mm-hmm. I watched Ghost House and this year I watched uh, Witchery and Beyond Darkness. 
of of note, uh, Witchery's got Linda Blair uh, and hmm. David Hasselhoff. And cool. It's no, not cool. Oh, uh, Linda Blair's actually just been announced to be at the Calgary Horror Con coming up here in a month. Oh, <laughs> old, old old chipmunk face herself. Uh, yeah, this movie. I don't remember anything about it. Uh, Beyond Darkness is memorable in the sense that it's awful. It, it is a piece of shit. Uh, mm-hmm. It's directed by that uh, Claudio Fraganassi guy who also directed The Legendary Troll 2, the the, the film that mm-hmm. the documentary Best Worst Movie is all about. Uh, this movie stars the same kid from uh, Troll 2 and the director nice. of Best best Worst Movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd argue that I think Best... Beyond Darkness is worse than Troll 2. Um, it's but is like, it best? No, Worst? no, it's just bad. Okay. Uh, like it's like it doesn't even have like kind of like the hilarious charm of like Troll 2, where it's got like mm-hmm. all the goofy shit that everyone knows. Um, yeah, no, Beyond Darkness is just like bad. Like it's just nice. And then like I wound up watching multiple Claudio Fraganassi movies because I did another. Oh. I did a bad thing, and I was like, well. I'm watching these La Casa movies. I guess I should also watch that, like, the loose zombie, like, Italian, like, franchise. Yeah. Uh, the other uh, La Casa movie I watched was uh, House 2, the second story, which is mm. which is La Casa 6. Uh, they, just oh, skipped, they just skipped over House 1, starring Bull okay. from Night Court. Uh, so House 2, the second story. This movie is also... A fucking piece of shit. Uh, mm-hmm. I I remember watching House several years ago and being like super unimpressed with it. It's like '80s horror in the worst ways possible, where it's kind of comedy and kind of goofy. Uh, it's got. Oh, I hate like, that. Uh, I it doesn't work. It's like well, it's a balancing act. Like sometimes it works, mm-hmm. like Nightmare Sisters or uh, The Video Dead. House, no, no, I just don't not feeling it. And House Two is like way worse. Um, mm-hmm. It's got. It's it's got two things going for it. It's got this super cute caterpillar dog puppet that is like so adorable. Cute. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Aww. I I think I posted a link to the dog uh, in my review. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's got uh, old John Ratzenberger of Cheers fame and Boston Pizza <laughs> nice. commercials. Uh, he kind of plays a Harry Tuttle type of character from Brazil, where he's kind of okay. like he knows more information than this character could possibly know. Uh, yeah. he's, he's like a maintenance man and adventurer, and he's got like the best line in the movie. And he's just like he's John Ratzenberger. He's mm-hmm. got he's got such a great voice. Uh, but yeah, it's, this movie's also called Bill Maher, um, and he just plays like the type of character you would imagine Bill Maher would play, kind of an annoying sleazebag, obnoxious, obnoxious jerk. Uh, yeah. this movie's got like, like someone else old, I know old old uh, grand, <laughs> grandpa western guys in it and there's like mummies and stuff and how old oh like 100 100 years old old nice maybe even 150 anyways house 2 stinks this movie mm-hmm. is like I hated it I've seen other people like have they either like it okay or they hate this movie uh, mm-hmm. so I was like I, I didn't know where I'd fall and no this movie sucks um, continuing on <laughs> I watched Zombie Three, uh, After How Death, After Death, aka Zombie Four, and mm-hmm. Killing Birds, aka Zombie Five. And I watched those all over the course of like twelve hours because I have nothing else going on in my life apparently. Yeah, w- yeah. What's up with you? Are you okay? <laughs> I've got nothing but time. 
And, okay. Uh, I, I, I I had to ask because when when it low does hang, come out later, low hanging fruits of I ambition, see. you know, I'd be like I'm gonna I'm gonna be the one that watches all the zombie movies, so you don't have to. And yeah, that's pretty well my takeaway with these uh, zombie movies is they they suck. Um, <clears throat> the problem with Zombie Three and After Death is <clears throat> they have the same problem of like all the Italian cannibal movies I've ever watched. That includes like mm-hmm. Fulci's Zombie, aka Zombie Two. Because if you didn't know, RJ, Dawn of the Dead is also known as Zombie with with no E in Enough. Italy. And then, Enough already. And then Zombie with an E in Italy is Zombie without an E too. And then they made these knockoff movies. Uh, some of these directed by old Claudio Fragnasi. And uh, yeah, I'd say I think After Death's the best of this lot. Um, killing Birds doesn't even really have Killing Birds at all. They, they show up twice in this movie. They maim more than kill. Zombie 3, it's like every one of these fucking movies that's set in like uh, Southeast Asia, uh, mm-hmm. in the Philippines. It's just a bunch of huts and zombies wandering around. Zombie 3's got like ninja-looking zombies. They don't do ninja-looking things. They're just all bandaged up. Like They're all bandaged up rather than made up as zombies because it's probably a lot cheaper to do it that way than to put like makeup on. You just put clothes on in any sort of arrangement, and they're like, look, they're zombies. So that's their uh, workaround on that. Some mm-hmm. of these movies have some like decent, gruesome, gory effects, which is like fine if you like you can just watch them as uh gifs online you don't have to actually watch these hour and a half long movies that just have no characters no real interesting moments or writing they just exist um but but there will be people who are horror movie fans are like oh man i love it i love these movies uh mm-hmm. zombie 3 and after death just can't i think they're coming out on blu-ray uh from Severin or something like that. And I'm sure people are super stoked. Oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it's happening. But no. People, oh, why, though? And, and they'll be like $30 each to buy. And that's the thing that's like, oh, don't. Like, life's too short. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. But why? <clears throat> what why? Yeah, hey, but I did break up the horror watching. I watched some Tommy Ooh. Lee Jones movies. Uh, I, I watched The Park is Mine. Okay. It's, just, it's like it was like an HBO TV movie. It's like set in Central Park, but it's mm-hmm. like Toronto. Uh it's about nice. being a nom vet and not being appreciated by your country. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones's buddy had this whole plan about like taking over Central Park for three days to make a point. He doesn't want to mm-hmm. hurt anybody. He just wants to bring attention to the plight of the vet in America. And mm-hmm. uh, this movie's got like a lot of people from Cronenberg movies, like because uh, mm-hmm. it's a Canadian production and they probably have the same casting agent or whatever. Uh, yeah. Like the guy from Videodrome's in it. The bad guy from Scanners is in there. Yafit Koto, who has nothing Spoiler. to do with Cronenberg, he's in there. Um, and yeah, old old Tommy Lee Jones, he's mm-hmm. your main character riding around on a motorbike, uh, just shooting up people. This is movie's he cool. He's okay. He's fine. Uh, this is like that weird period of time, like before The Fugitive, uh, mm. where like mm-hmm. Tommy Lee Jones was just an actor. He was in stuff, but he wasn't like a big name. Not till uh, the '90s came along with Under Siege and uh, The Fugitive and Natural Born Killers, and uh, of course ba- Batman Forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where he became a superstar, and everybody was like knocking on Tommy Lee's door, saying, "Hey, you want to do Volcano?" Mm. <laughs> um, so, so The Park is Mine is a movie. Uh, it's okay. There, it just, there's not violent or anything like that. It's just like, oh, that's a, that's a all right type of 
movie that I wouldn't recommend you watch or go to your way to watch, but it's there. Uh, mm-hmm. Then I watched Black Moon Rising, which claim to fame is that it's based on a screenplay by John Carpenter. Ooh. And it's about a supercar. Uh, Christine style? No, that's a haunt. That's a ghost car, I would say. That's a ha- or possessed car. Uh, okay. Got to keep these things clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Black Moon Rising, it's like uh, Tommy Lee Jones is like a kind of fixer. He's kind of a man who does jobs. If you need something stolen, he'll do it. Mm-hmm. So the government's hired him to steal some like betting information from these mobsters living in Las Vegas. Um, he runs afoul of like a colleague who actually used to do this as well, but he's right now working security for this company. He gets away. Uh, he winds up crossing paths with some guys who are building a supercar. He stores this like information, this evidence in the back of that car. Uh, but now he has to go get that car. Uh, Linda Hamilton is a car thief who winds up stealing said supercar for Robert Vaughn, who's a guy who sells stolen cars uh things happen tommy lee jones uh is like apparently a sex idol or presented <gasps> as like a kurt russell type of figure who you okay. you get into kurt russell he look he's that look tommy lee mm-hmm. jones doesn't quite have that look he doesn't look as good as he did in the Are 70s you saying he's not handsome he is <clears throat> crater-faced He's a little pockmarked and a little, My little, God. little hangdog, even by like 1986 here. Um, so take me too. Yeah. What? Uh-huh. Anyway, so I, li- I like this movie fine, just like The Park is Mine. Uh, these yep. movies were like 85, 86, and I had them, and now I've watched them, and now I'm like, cool. I like that Tommy Lee Jones, and these are just mm-hmm. movies in that oeuvre. It's like when I'm watching Charles Bronson movies. Sometimes it's just like... Yeah, that movie's okay. Mm-hmm. But after watching Black Moon Rising, I was in the mind of like, I want to watch another movie about a supercar. <gasps> so I watched The Wraith, starring... Now, what, what is The Wraith? Who is it starring? Charles Sheen. Uh, appear, huh. He appears in this movie. Like, he's not really in it a whole bunch, though. He is kind of yeah. like the protagonist, I guess. Uh Old Audrey Horn herself is in this movie. Like, this is uh, before Twin Peaks. And Mm -hmm. uh, she's looking tanned and dyed hair blonde. And it's, like, really weird. um, Mm -hmm. Because you're like, what the fuck is wrong with her? Like, why does she look so weird the whole time? Uh, So this is a movie. It's actually very, like, uh, Stephen King-ish in the story (gasps) idea. Because, um, actually, well, it's like, it's, it's movie High Plains Drifter. Have you watched that? Yep. Okay. I love yeah, that, that movie's cool. Yeah. This it's basically High Plains Drifter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie opens up with this like cosmic sort of thing with all these lights converging onto the planet, and then the lights pop up into a crossroads and appear this like super tech car with a rider, and this rider is like a ghost who is going to get revenge against all these like town bullies who killed his previous host. I guess of his spirit because now okay. he's Charlie Sheen <laughs> and uh, yeah, it just kind of goes from there. I mean, it, that's what it is, but this movie has got like so much good eighties qualities. It's like the video dead. It's another one of those movies that like could only be made in the eighties uh, mm-hmm. and only kind of get away with it. It's either your thing or not. Um, is it your thing? It is my thing for sure. Nice. I, I think this movie like actually, the first like half hour is so good, and then it, like it never lives up to that 
half mm-hmm. that first half hour again, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's got Randy Quaid. Um, it's got like good actiony, violent bits. It's it's like kind of like almost like a horror thriller, but it never gets serious enough to be taken seriously that way. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, like it's like again, you couldn't really call it a supercar movie. It is a haunted car, I guess, or ghost car, if you will. Yeah. If you want to split hairs, uh, but yeah, I, I say do. the Wraith. I think you should totally watch. I think you would enjoy the Wraith. I have the Wraith. I bought it VHS. I just didn't have time to fit it in before the episode. Okay. So maybe I'll talk about it next week. But okay. feel free to talk at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about it at your leisure. Mm-hmm. I watch some. I watch some Scarecrow movies, but I might just. I saw. I, I might just not talk about those at this time. Um, How was Clint Howard in this movie? Oh, the excellent. Yeah, yeah, I like Clint Howard. Yeah, you gotta watch. I think he's a cool have, dude. You have, have you watched Evil Speak yet? No. Oh, yeah. Put the, Evil Speak. One word. Put that on your watch list. That movie. Has it got Clint Howard in it? Uh, yeah, he's the main character. Okay. Oh, it's, I'll watch it. Oh, then. oh man, yeah, you, you now have to watch it. Okay. Uh, I will talk about two very good movies I watched. I'd say. Hit it. Okay. Uh, I watched Isle of Dogs. <laughs> oh uh, right. Yeah, like a, a real movie that's like contemporary and not Mm -hmm. like from 30 years ago uh so this is wes anderson this is him doing stop motion once again um Mm -hmm. this movie people were getting their uh panties and underwear all in a bunch uh because of cultural appropriation uh whatever (laughs) go away uh with that shit it's stupid um yeah I, i like this movie um, nice. I would say, based on the first viewing, it is on the lower end of the spectrum of Wes Anderson, which is still quite high for Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it might all come out differently when I get a chance to watch it again mm-hmm. and just see how everything works. Uh, like when I think back to it, there's some like weird things that I'm like, well, it's like not even a weird thing. It's just like, what happens to those characters? They just vanish yeah. completely by the end of the movie, and it's kind of weird. That you just they're just gone, even though like they're such a huge part of it. This movie's so fucking beautiful. Uh like I'd yeah. I'd heard that there was like kind of like these like uh Kurosawa references in the movie. Mm-hmm. And there's like full on like the Seven Samurai uh score shows up in this, which is great. Um uh I love I still love Wes Anderson's like the whole thing of like how he centers his frame and characters are always in the middle. And I think yeah. I always see people now make fun of that and, and shit on it about that. But I'm like, when you're watching it in the theater, your eyes don't have to like go anywhere. They're like mm-hmm. always fixated in the middle of the screen. So every cut cuts to the center of the screen. So it actually makes the movie super watchable in a way that I had never thought about before. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm like, I, I love that. Like, no wonder he does it. But then he's like, it's not just because, like, he's cutting corners and not filling up the entire frame with information. It's like, no, your eye wanders around and you start drawing in everything else. You're like, man, this movie's so immaculate. Like, there's so much, like, design that goes into this stuff. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm a big fan of that stop motion animation. Uh, this movie actually does add some new elements. It's got some animation in there. Um I mean, you, you've seen the trailer for this movie. You know the story about that mm-hmm. Isle of Dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know when you say it uh, fast, it says, I love dogs. I, I, I've heard that. I know. Uh, yeah. Yes. If you like animals, if you like dogs, man, oh, man, mm-hmm. this movie could be rough for you. Rough? 
rough. Well, fuck. I was going to take Andy to this. I thought it was going to be a real Andy pick, but if it's rough, then... Well, it'll make you be like... Or do you mean rough like R-U-F-F, like rough? R-U-F-F. Rough. So, no, it's not like... It'll be like... It won't, like it'll make you, like... I don't know. It's like good, sad. Not like... No, no, no. No, no, no. No good, sad. There's no good, no such thing as good, sad? No good, sad. Oh, yeah. my God. No, uh, but of course, like it is. It, this movie also is kind of a hit piece on cats. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, okay, because basically, well, it's like it's more like it's like pro cat, and that's an evil thing in this story because the people mm-hmm. who are doing these things really don't like dogs, so they're bad because of that. Not because they like cats, but the cats are like so good. They're like evil, mean looking mm. cats. They don't actually do anything evil other than like look menacing, which is like actually what cats do. They look menacing generally. Um. Yeah. So Isle of Dogs. I, I like. How can you not like this movie? I don't know. I like. I. I can think it's very solid. Um. Like I said, it's not like in that upper echelon or anything like that. But I mean, mm. it's a Wes Anderson movie. It's like it's good. Yep. Just like any episode of this. So podcast. So many welled up eyes. Those dogs' eyes well up a lot. They even cry. So. All things feel pain, Jared. Mm-hmm. Emotional and physical, and then there's robot dogs. I don't know. Oh it, shit! Yeah, man, it's like it's like a it's kind of like a Miyazaki movie as well. Sounds like, cool. Yeah, it's good. I can't imagine you not enjoying this movie a great deal. Yeah. Uh, last movie I'm going to talk about is free. Mm-hmm. Is a movie called Freeway. This movie okay. is from 1996. Uh, it stars Reese Witherspoon and mm-hmm. Kiefer Sutherland. This movie's been on my radar for years, and I've always been afraid to pull the trigger on watching it because it was either going to be a movie that like lives up to the hype of a this like weird cult classic, or it's going to be really annoying and shitty. Which it seems to go either way. Mm-hmm. I think this movie is awesome. <laughs> I I don't know mm-hmm. I don't know how if you would like it necessarily because it it features a lot of. Uh, garbage people as Keith or Sutherland would put it is in, in this movie. Cause it's just like horrible, sad, tragic humanity. Uh, and that's kind of the thing it's going with. So this movie is written and directed by Matthew Bright, who also, uh, wrote the screenplays for dark angel, the ascent and shrunken heads, uh, as dis- which were both discussed on the full moon, uh, episode we did. And, uh, mm-hmm. those were both highlights of the full moon oeuvre. So I was kind of like, Oh man, this Matthew Bright guy, he can't be all bad. Uh, it should also be noted that Matthew Bright wrote and directed uh, a little film called tiptoes, uh, starring, uh, <laughs> G- Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman, <laughs> a midget. Uh, but my uh-huh. understanding is that, uh, Matthew Bright handed in his cut of the movie and then he was fired off the movie and then they like reworked it. So okay. Matthew Bright's true vision of whatever tiptoes is supposed to be, uh, will never be known, I guess, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this movie, it's like a, it, it doesn't start out strong. It opens up with like a really shitty opening credit sequence. That's like a bunch of drawings of the red Riding hood story, but it's like, like drawn by like kind of like a pseudo Robert Crumb. But it's like badly, but it's like not in a good Robert Crumb style, but like that type of look, like uh, mm-hmm. alt comics from the 70s and 80s, lots of panty shots and women and like yeah. in distress is like this wolf man is stalking after her. And I'm just kind of like, oh man, I don't know about this. But then it gets way better after that. Uh, it's got Amanda Plummer, who you might remember as a Honey Bunny from Pulp Fiction. She plays mm-hmm. Reese Witherspoon's uh, meth head 
prostitute mother who's uh, married to Jared of The Pretender fame. Do you remember The Pretender TV show, RJ? Or was that before your like time, your awareness? Jared from Subway? The Pretender. Oh. Do you remember no, that TV show that at all? Oh, that's too bad. No. Uh, that was some good old NBC uh, episodic television. Anyway, mm-hmm. he shows up, dyed hair, and he's a gross old pimp. Uh, well, her parents get arrested because they're scumbags. Uh, she's like, at the beginning, you're just like, oh, she's just like this illiterate child who has problems reading sentences like, the cat drinks milk. And um, okay. so she, she, she kind of winds up going on the run because she doesn't want to go back to like, like a halfway house kind of thing or like juvie or anything like that. Uh, so she steals her like child services worker's car and mm-hmm. hits the road, picks up a gun from her boyfriend who winds up getting gunned down by some Latino guys. And she's on the highway to go see her grandmother who she's going to go live with. Uh, her car breaks down and Keith Sutherland comes to her rescue and we get this like drawn out sequence of her and him driving around and he's like talking to her. He says he's like a counselor at an all boys school and he's kind of like doing the whole like counselor psychologist sort of thing getting into her head. Mm-hmm. Of course, the, the backdrop of this movie was mentioned that, oh, there's this like I six killer. So. Keith Sutherland is a serial killer, and he's and Reese Witherspoon Spoiler. is his next victim. Uh, and the movie just kind of plays out from there. Uh, like this movie, like it is. I've I've seen people refer to it as a satire, and as always, I don't get it. I, people just mm-hmm. like to say that word and think that that's good enough. I don't get it. This movie, it's like it's a dark comedy, like thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like the acting and dialogue are like awesome. <laughs> like it's like kind of like a weird kind of version of Henry that's like goofier um, and like strange and violent and totally unpredictable. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of thought I kind of knew where this movie was going and then it totally just like flips it around. And I'm like, what the hell? Like that's where this is going to go? And I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's what it's going to do. And it just keeps getting re- more ridiculous. Uh, Keith or Sutherland, uh, he... <laughs> <laughs> it's like you have to like watch it to like get it like he's all mm-hmm. fucked up and uh robot voice and stuff like that it just builds and builds and like brooke shields is in this movie dan hedea like it is an oddity and it's like always lived it lived up to the weirdness that i'd always heard about it and then mm-hmm. uh i have to watch it now there's a freeway 2 uh that was Produced by Charles Band uh, several years later, uh. r- written and directed by Matthew Brightstill, and I'm really curious to see what that all entails because I think that like Freeway, I think is actually quite a well-made movie. Um, mm-hmm. Reese, this is like definitely like I think one of the best Reese Witherspoon uh, Reese Witherspoon movies I've seen. Uh, like, How many have you seen? Uh, well, I mean, I always think of like people always lose their shit over Election, and I've always thought Election no. was just like meh. But like I think she's yeah. like she's really good in this like um, like she like her because so Keith Sutherland's name in this is Bob and mm-hmm. the way she says Bob in this movie all the time yeah. it's so good like it's it's mm-hmm. I don't know this movie and it's like it's like strange kind of fucked up violent in the right ways um, and mm-hmm. it, it it does the balancing act of like the weird tonal shifts that you have to do I guess when you're trying to do like a a 
black comedy. But like sometimes that doesn't work for people because I know there's people who mm-hmm. like I think Heather's is a really cool, great movie. And I know there's people who fucking hate Heather's. They think it's a garbage movie. But like it's it's very uh, Rorschach testy, I guess. Like some people res- respond well to it or it just is not to their taste whatsoever. But like I think Freeway is awesome. Well, I've never seen Heather's, but I think it's a piece of shit. Yeah. You hate that Winona Ryder? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you know that Reese Witherspoon's real name is Laura? No. Laura Jean Reese Witherspoon. That's that's fascinating. Yeah. The more you know, buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've got no news. Um, I have news. Okay. So did you hear that they announced Rambo 5 this week, where he's going to be going up against uh, Mexican cartels? Fuck no. I did not hear that. You know what? So I think that's awesome. I thought the last Rambo movie was wicked good. I don't care what anyone says. When he rips that guy's throat out, so awesome. Or he's just taking people apart with those like fucking 65 caliber bullets. Oh, Mm. awesome. Mm. But you know what's even worse? So I'm happy they're making a new Rambo. But bad news, they were going to make a movie called Rambo 5 The Savage Hunt. And have you ever heard of this? Because this is, mm. Stallone was talking about it this week because they've announced this new one. So they're not doing the Savage Hunt. The Savage Hunt was based on a book uh, called Hunter from the 90s. And it was about a man in the uh, Arctic Circle going up against a half-human abomination created by a renegade uh, renegade agency through a series of outlawed genetic experiments. Stallone himself said it was about uh, a feral beast that has absolute cunning and intelligence and a will to survive that is only matched by Rambos. And they <laughs> they talk about how it's similar to the plot of Forbidden Planet, which I talked about a, uh, a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh so they're talking about savage uh, killing machines uh, of your nightmares and things like that. So that was the Rambo movie we were going to get was uh, the savage hunt against mm. some sort of like predator style monster thing. Uh, I think that sounds fucking awesome. I'm pretty happy that there's going to be another Rambo because I think Rambo's super cool. Rambo but, versus uh, Cartel sounds like. The, the, the best idea though I think what that, Sicario should have been yes I think it will be yeah. all the best parts of Sicario but then times that by the full running time of just mm-hmm. like whatever fucking mayhem and it's just like oh that uh, that sounds so exciting to me because <laughs> mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want because it's like that's the thing with like the Rambo ideas like you have to like pit pit him or get him against like the the one group you can always have him kill and mm-hmm. it's like nobody likes cartel people, so you can do that. You can do that story. It's yeah, it's great. awesome. I love I I love that Rambo when he's like, "Don't go to Burma, Burma's a war zone," oh, yeah. and they're like, "We're going to Burma." And he's like, "Don't go to Burma." No, go Burma. <laughs> Don't go to Burma. It's a war zone. Uh, so I think that's awesome news. But the, anyways, I thought I'd share that because that other movie sounds wicked cool. Oh, man, oh man, that sounds wicked cool yeah. to me too. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, enough uh, talking about. Rambo versus cartels and uh, Italian horror shit. Uh, we got some criterions to talk about. What do you plural? That's right. Uh, oh. After the break, uh, we're going to get a taste of Tati.
And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. And tonight, we're talking about Tati, Jacques Tati, nothing but Tati, because it's Tati week. Ugh. First up, M. Hulot's Holiday, or Monsieur Hulot's Holiday, from 1953. Uh, the tagline for this film... It's laugh vacation time as Jacques Tati romps through the most gloriously mad lark ever to tickle the ribs of young and old alike. What? Don't be careful not to spit take there. Um, I wasn't expecting a tickle in the ribs. I've never heard that before. What? Tickle in the ribs? Yeah. Rib tickler? Rib tickler? Yeah. Is this some kind of sex toy? No. It's like grandpa talk. Yeah, you, it is. <laughs> well, this is like '50s taglines. It's of course it's like literally by grandpas at this point. Well, if they had said like a knee slapper, I would no. have understood that yeah. rib tickler. You. Mm. Uh, synopsis from our good friends at Letterboxd. Monster mm. Hulot, Jacques Tati's enduring clown, takes a holiday at a seaside resort where his presence provokes one catastrophe after another. Tati's masterpiece of gentle slapstick is a series of effortlessly well-choreographed sight gags involving dogs, boats, and firecrackers. It was the first entry in the Hulot series and the film that launched its maker to international stardom. What a mm. great recap that synopsis was as well. Yeah, it's really about the movie and not about other things. Yeah. So, uh, the I actually have an old DVD of this uh, that I picked up at a uh, video store that went out of business, uh, and it was like a, a Crazy Mike's video. It's got a nice oh. big like Crazy Mike silver logo right on the ring of it, and uh, it doesn't have a booklet, but it is the Criterion mm-hmm. copy of it. Um, it has a intro uh, by oh. uh, Monty Python alum Terry Jones, and uh, the one line, the one quote of his that I'll mention because he. He really lays it on thick about how brilliant this movie is and all of Tati's movies. But the one thing I will say is, like, absolutely, I guess, uh, imp- interesting, I guess, because it goes against a lot of things when people talk about comedies now, is comedy could be both funny and beautiful, is the thing mm-hmm. he walked away with Tati movies. Um, so, like, the one thing that's, like, always been an issue with, like, comedies in general is like when people make a comedy like a modern day movie uh no one's really worried about the look of the movie like they're not mm-hmm. particularly well photographed they're competently photographed they look like slick movie productions they ge- they actually have a comedy look that's different than like i don't know like a, the way a superhero movie is shot is very different from the way a comedy is shot uh like a seth rogan type of thing mm-hmm. like they, they have uh, or judd apatow movies they have a, a look that they have a fairly brothers movie um and but it's like never like i don't think anyone's ever described like dumb and dumber as a beautiful movie um, uh i heard some guy the other day talk say dumb and dumber was like a tati style yeah. beautiful comedy yeah see i left him speechless because he knows it's true well let's let that one sink on its own <clears throat> mm-hmm. um so I think I'd seen uh, this holiday movie like years ago. Um, this is one of those movies I rented at the library because I remember being like, oh, I have no idea what this is. I will rent it. I mm-hmm. like don't remember it at all if I had rewatched it because um, this felt pretty fresh to me. Uh, like I didn't recognize a single moment of it at all. Um, so maybe I had rented it and it was just on and it enough no impression. Um, I can't say that I had too much of a different exp- 
experience with this movie here. Um, I don't know. This movie is long, <laughs> even at like it's only like an hour and a half, but it's it's, it's it's so simple. Like it is the story is uh, it starts off with this like blaring nightmare train station sound, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of nice. Um, and it's all, it's a mad rush of people all going to the beach for the weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess like many communities have, ha- have this experience, be it like here in Creepsville, there's like a crazy amount of traffic flow of people going to the mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, in New York, people are always going, you know, up, up to cottage country and stuff like that. That's what happens on these long weekends. People travel. And this is kind of what this is trying to capture. The, mm-hmm. the comedy of people moving around and people kind of tripping over one another and these little moments that kind of come about. Uh, there's one little moment that I found like very stressful in a weird way. And it's like, uh, I think it's like this bus driver has this bus that's just like filled up with people. It's like packed like a sardine. And he like goes mm-hmm. to drive and there's this kid who's like sitting up front with him and his head's like in the steering wheel. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> it's just so mm-hmm. weird because it's like, ha, huh, that kid look is looking up at him like just waiting for to start but he shouldn't have his head there but i was just like holy fuck that's like old style like steering wheels where it's like you give that a twist that kid's neck's gonna go snap um not what happened no he 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 survived okay because the bus does turn yeah yeah uh no he i think he made the kid move on um my main note about this movie here is this is a really mellow pastoral vibe um, yeah, this movie yeah, yeah. is like really well photographed. Like it looks mm-hmm. great. Like the, I was, I was watching like the old DVD of this. Uh, I don't have the, uh, the big five disc Blu-ray set of this that yeah. came out that re-released these three movies, plus a few more of his stuff that have ladder, uh, spine numbers that we will get to one mm-hmm. day. Um, so this is early on before they had the rights to movies like traffic and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The other traffic, um, but yeah, I mean, so this movie's got like a really nice look to it. I mean, it's fairly easy to watch, but I like it's definitely for me like the weakest of these three movies. Um, yeah, unquestionably. Yeah, like I, it's like I don't know. People regard this as like this total masterpiece. Uh, Roger Ebert actually has all three of these films on his great movies list. Which I was like, mm-hmm. that's like that, that doesn't happen very often, but they're all crammed in there. But like, I don't know. Like, I've kind of been a defender, I guess, of like comedies up to this point. As like far mm-hmm. as like qualities like that. Like, I was trying to think about like in terms of like the bank dick, which is like actually like not as old as this either. Like, it, mm-hmm. or actually it's older. Um, and like I think there's like elements to bank dick that like are still like they carry over quite well, but I found with this, like there's like not a lot of material. Um, like it doesn't feel right. Like it doesn't feel like a comedy. It just feels like a nice movie. And I don't know. Nice is not really, doesn't go along great with comedy for me. I I like my comedy to be mean, (laughs) I guess a little bit. Um, so generally like if I think of like, this is spinal tap or life of Brian or even the bank dick, uh, I like kind of like a causticness to my comedy. And this doesn't mm-hmm. really, this seems like so well-meaning and it's poking at people when, when it yeah. does. Um, 
But I don't know. One of my notes here is, so this is what people did before video games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. this is like people like read newspapers and then like talked with one another. Uh, all the children, like fuck, there's this one kid in this movie. His legs are just shredded. This kid is so lean and muscular. Buff. Yeah. It's just like, mm-hmm. fuck, look at that kid. I didn't notice anything like that. Um, but, 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 but I noticed like it's- Calling the cops. Come on. It's like, no, it's like all the kids are fit. Whereas like yeah. now like kids be all soft and sausagey and like mm. they, they don't spend any time outdoors. Uh, and then like, as like you progress through like the different stages of like body types, which is actually a consistent thing through all these movies. It's like mm-hmm. you, have a, so you have a huge variety of people. Like there's fat guys, short fat guys, fit guys, tall guys, lanky guys. Um, it, it, there's just like- a variety of humanity on display. So there's just like, I don't know. There's not like this like weird quality when you watch most modern movies where it's like, Oh, here's like, like a Michael Bay movie where everyone's jacked and then there's fat people. And it's like, that's the quality of it where this feels like, no, these are like real people that live in this community. Um, and he's just setting up these Tati as director, writer and actor lead as Mr. Hulo. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just setting up these scenarios and things play out in this nice way. Um, anyway, that's enough of my kind of initial thoughts on uh, okay. holiday here. RJ, what, what mm-hmm. did you what did you think of this picture? Well, the first thing I'm going to say is, uh, so I assume that you own all of these, so you just watched your copies of all of these, right? I watched my. Uh, I, I watched Mon on Cole on Canopy, actually. Okay. So I watched all three of these on Canopy. Right. And uh, I think it's in, you were saying how you watched uh, this one on video and it wasn't the best. When you watch this on Canopy, there is like 30 seconds at the start of text explaining this movie hmm. and how this is like a re, uh, Canopy's version is a restored version and it has like a. Like the film was restored and then also it is like the preferred director's cut or something like that. Like, okay. not that it has like, it doesn't have like 10 minutes extra or anything like that. I think it has like maybe 30 seconds different, okay. but it was something about how it's the restored version that was the true intention. So okay. I thought this movie looked great Yeah, for for like how I was watching it. Well, I was like, I, oh, like for me, like when I was watching the yeah. DVD of this, like it, I, I knew it didn't look as good as it would on Blu-ray, but like it looked like the, yeah. the photography of this movie is like amazing. Like it well, looks I, so yeah. nice. I think if you had watched it on canopy, you would have had like a, a crystal clear right. uh, viewing experience. So uh, that's your bad, but you're a bad dude. And uh, I don't feel bad for you. So uh, that's that. I just thought I would mention that uh, it's interesting on canopy. They had the, like they have this bumper before it, how how it's like uh, I don't know it, it was kind of like dramatic where it's like this is like something that was never gonna happen it's like fully restored and it was, <laughs> I was like all right well it's I know not that, that weird well I know that when he died he he died of like an uh, embolism embol- embolism. Oh yeah, pulmonary embolism. That's it. Uh, And like that was like in '82. His like his family was really concerned that these movies would just like vanish. Like they would just die off, and no one would ever see them. And so like they like managed to like get to the right bank that like had the rights to this stuff because sometimes banks wind up with movie rights, and they managed to like file like sort of like a letter, and then no one responded, and then they got all the movie rights, and then so they've been able to like I think like Studio Canal has the rights to these movies internationally and North America. I mean, mm-hmm. I know Criterion's put them out, and it's got that uh, Tati like five movie set uh, that's out there. So, yeah. Anyway, 
Yeah. So I, I was just going to say that. But uh, so I was watching this movie and I think it looks really good mm-hmm. and I think it's fine. Uh, and this isn't the right word. But uh, when I was watching this, I was like, this is pointless, kind of. Yeah. And like not 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 in the way that not in the sense that that like what that word means. It's not like, oh, this is like pointless. It's just like there's no real anything about this movie. It's just it, it like I think they wanted the vibe where they set up the camera. It's like, look, it's a day in the life of this like small Amityville town where like they shot the Jaws movies is <laughs> um, like the vibe I got the whole time. But it's like, look, here's the quirky ice cream salesman. Here's the pesky kid. There's an old pervert. Isn't it crazy? Like the old dude who's like staring at all the bikini babes. Yeah. He's like, Egh. so I thought it was like that. Uh, I think this movie can be summed up in four bullet points. Okay. Uh, one goofy French bastards, uh, two old Matt man humor, uh, three oblivious humor, which I think is one that's uh, in a lot of these where it's like the double take. And then, and then like the real thing where they fake you out like twice. And then the real thing happens that they faked out two or three times. So it's kind of this thing where it's like what the thing that's happening to the person in the movie, they're oblivious to, but you're seeing it and that's why it's comical. And then, uh, my fourth bullet point is a lot of Mr. Beaning. Uh, this, these movies reminded me of Mr. Bean so much. Um, I don't think they are the ace comedy, uh, master that Mr. Bean is, but I feel like this was a uh, proto f- uh, frame of Mr. Bean, like just kind of not even bumbling, but like fish out of water dude who's just kind of like going from place to place and yeah. getting into these crazy hijinks. Right. So I thought this movie was fine, but honestly, I didn't really like it that much just yeah. because I was like, I don't care that about what's going on and there's there's like a lot of scenes where this is more on the trilogy as a whole but i feel like toddy worked in a restaurant or something because especially in playtime we'll get there but Mm -hmm. like in this one there's a lot of like attention given to the restaurant in this but it doesn't like all you see is like the customers come in greeted by the manager and then the customers that leave like uh all like and then they see the manager also and you see it's like the manager's like uh like they don't like say thank you and he's just like oh oh but it it was just like i was like why like who who gives a shit about this like restaurant manager i guess it fits in with this slice of life kind of thing that they're trying to do right but there's stuff like that and then there's scenes that like i don't think even make any sense like i thought that mr who uh Hulot or whatever Hulot. i thought he got on a bus and left at the end mm-hmm. but then somehow he appears on like uh on the beach again and he goes into uh the gardener's shack and it's full of fireworks and then all the fireworks go off and i was really confused i was like wait a minute i thought he left i I think there's a guy who looks like him in this movie like okay because there's a bit where like before he gets to the beach like he's still fully dressed there's a guy he's like the the bit with the towel do you there's like and it's like but it's not him or it's supposed to be him but it's like editing wise it doesn't make any sense yeah that's that's what i mean like i was like like, this doesn't make any sense yeah it's like why why is he at the beach already i thought he's back at the thing still like from like if you're looking at it from like a temporal standpoint of like the order of things happening it's like why is he down at the beach then he writes he chases around someone else and you're like is that like it looks it looks like uh yeah but it's like wait but that wasn't him or he did he just didn't go like the pacing of it just seems a little wonky 
Yeah, exactly. And then, so, like, there were a few things like that. It was just mostly the fireworks shack. I was like, I don't get what's going on. I was like, how did he get back here? <laughs> why is this thing full of fireworks? I was like, yeah, it looks cool, but, like, why is it here? The the only, so, like, gag that I really wrote down for myself was uh, there's the bit where uh, uh, Hulo sees, like, he like sees the one girl, the the one that's catching everybody's eye. She goes to like the bathroom. She goes to one of the outhouses, yeah. and then like he looks over and he sees there's a guy, and it looks like he's like peeking in, and he like mm-hmm. walks over to him and kicks him in the ass, and then he like goes around the corner. And he sees that he was like not looking through it at all, but he was like bending over to like take a picture of his family, and he just like runs away, <laughs> and then like he's like standing around and he kind of like darts off and then like the guy who just got kicked in the ass he goes looking for him and he sees this mm-hmm. guy who's like happens to be brushing off his foot of some sand he does of course like, like he's brushing off his foot obviously he must have been the one that kicked me in the ass and he starts giving him the eyes and the guy's looking back at him he's like uh mm-hmm. okay and then he proceeds to like kind of walk get walked down and he goes into an outhouse and the guy just like follows him right up to it and starts looking through the diamond <laughs> of the mm-hmm. outhouse door and I'm like ugh that's like a really uh strange moment but it's like that's like the one that like stood out of me watching it this time. Everything else is kind of like mm-hmm. there. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's like pointless. Isn't the right word. It's just like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's okay. I, I don't know. It's fine. It looks okay. It's not for me. I, I didn't really care for it at all. Yeah. No, so. I, I'm with you on that. I, it's yep. just like, yep. Sure. All right. Well, let's move on this bad boy. All right. Uh, next up. Mon Encore from 1958. And this film's tagline, Mr. Hullo takes a precious, playful, and purely premeditated look at modern times. Genial, bumbling Monsieur Hullo loves his top-floor apartment in a grimy corner of the city and cannot fathom why his sister's family has moved to the suburbs. Their house is an ultra-modern nightmare, which Hullo only visits for the sake of stealing away his rambunctious young nephew. Hullo's sister, however, wants to win him over to her new way of life. He conspires to set him up with a wife and a job. Um, so, uh, first up... Uh, this movie opens with this like amazing physicalization of opening credits, uh, where it's oh, just yeah. like all these like painted signs of like the credits, and it's just like man, these are fancy. Like they look so good, and then of course you re- like at that same time you're realizing like man, this is like really well photographed, and like and then like the music starts, and like you're like oh man, this whole movie is going to look like this like the colors and everything like that. It's like, mm-hmm. fuck, this looks incredible. You get dogs, all these like scampy so little, many so many, so many doggos running around, scamping mm-hmm. about. Oh, so I was like, man, my, my dream booking here would be that like, we'd get like a Tati 20 minute long short film about dogs, you know? Uh, and just like, yeah. and it's, it's all it would be. You, you could even like maybe have Hulo doing some shit, but with dogs and just mm-hmm. like having dog adventures, doing gags with dogs. And it would be like amazing. You could tell he wanted to. There are dogs in all three of these movies. Mm-hmm. But, but this, uh, this is the biggest presence. Yeah. This is like, cause they open and close this bad boy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like my note here is like, what a leap from black and white to color. So I was looking back, I watched both this and playtime five years ago actually mm-hmm. just about so they were like 
playtime has left like a definite mark in my mind when I think about this movie. Modern Call, mm-hmm. I was kind of like, I know I've seen this movie, but I don't remember a lot about it. But then as soon as it started, it all started coming back to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's this movie. It's all about the mm-hmm. house and stuff like that and the plastic factory. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, right, right, right. And then like I remember being like, oh, man, I really like, like this movie a, a lot. But then the movie, like, I don't know what it is about these Tati movies, but they always mm-hmm. overstay their welcome. They just go yeah. on too long like mm-hmm. two hours for a comedy uh is for all of these for all, like well the first one's only an hour and a half and it's it like, feels like two uh yeah it definitely doesn't feel like a 90 minute or uh at all and mm-hmm. this is like again it's just like i don't i don't know the pacing to me is just like unearned like i feel that mm-hmm. a lot of it, it gets redundant as we'll discuss with Playtime, which uh, I will make a case mm-hmm. for being like an absolutely amazing movie, but with 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 a with a flaw. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so the this monocle business here, um, it's got the like one scene in it that like I've seen is this really cool uh, GIF of Tati multiple Tatis coming and going from a building. Uh, where they're like, it's like kind of like composited all the moments of him like walking up through this whole like complex, archaic kind of like ramshackle building. Uh, mm-hmm. And that you always see that thing pop up. And it's really nice. They did, whoever did that did a very good job of piecing it all together and making it look uh, self-contained and like, wow, it's really novel. People should check it out. Um, yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, like if you're a fan of like design and like modernist design, these movies like these, these, this and uh, playtime are just like a, a perfect encapsulation of like how crisp and clear fifties and sixties design were. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you look at like whatever complaints Tati has with modernism and like consumerism. Uh, I, I can't even imagine what he would think of like, 2018 like going out into the world and looking Mm -hmm. at advertising and clothing fucking clothing rj like when you watch these movies like everyone's clothes look amazing they're fitted they're like Mm -hmm. made with like real like fabric and not like the cheapest shittiest crap you can imagine it's not everyone everyone's just wearing fucking cotton (laughs) like and it's not Mm -hmm. real cotton (laughs) it's just like the synthetic crap um there's like real color (laughs) i mean obviously this is a designed universe so everything is like been calculated but i don't think it's that far off from like what people could dress like um and like the signage and stuff like that on the buildings, like mm-hmm. there's like on the school, the Ecole and stuff like that. And on the plastics building, like yep. it's just like fucking like, Oh, look how good that is. There's nothing. The world's so clean. Um, and then like you have all these beautiful cars, which I just describe as metallic death traps. Um, mm-hmm. cause classic cars, as nice as they looked, there's a reason why we kind of shifted away from them, not only from a cost standpoint, but also the fact that when metal crashes, it like mm-hmm. kills whatever's inside of it, which is you. So exploding plastic that explodes out and stuff like that, like we have now, it's a lot better. There's, there's a reason why we have innovation, mm-hmm. but then we also have these cars that like, just look like weird little boxes, futuristic boxes we have. Whereas these things from the fifties, it's like, yeah, those look like cars. Um, I don't know. Big if true. Big if true. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway. So yeah, I kind of like already said that I feel like these movies, this movie is like too long at two hours, Mm -hmm. but there's Mm -hmm. so much stuff to like watch and enjoy watching this movie. Um, 
and I don't know if I'll kind of start talking about it now, but I became really aware or I started thinking about this while watching it, but like mm-hmm. how much of a influence, uh, these Tati movies have on David Lynch. Um, Interesting. it's like, cause I was thinking, I'm like, man, this is like Dougie. <laughs> like this is like all, yeah. like it's yeah. all like the, particularly in playtime with all the glass walls and stuff like that. And like mm-hmm. his, like f- the physical comedy stuff and him walking around the sculpture garden out front and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. this sort of like this minimal kind of like performance. And it's just like this weird manner of walk. Um, and particularly with the audio scape of all these movies, like the actual sound and stuff like that. Um, like so much attention is paid to the sound that you're hearing, like the sound of like machinery and electronics, um, Mm -hmm. steam. Like there's the one bit where like Hulu is working at the plastic factory. Um, and there's this, this this machine that's just like outputting steam, like rhythmatically. And I was like, this is like a racer head. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. like all this like stuff I'm like, and then of course I looked it up and sure enough, there's like video of like David Lynch talking about how much he loves Jacques Tati's movies. Um, And there's like one guy took a great screen cap or composited of like, there's the one bit in um, um, Mon Call where like there's a guy walking by with the red hose, like that Mm -hmm. red tubing. And there's like in Mulholland Drive and I think also in wild at heart there's like a guy always like there's a couple times where there's a guy in the background wearing like kind of worksman's clothes with a red tube over his shoulder in the exact same way so it's mm-hmm. like the 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 connection is real hmm interesting yeah no it's uh yeah i never thought about that but it makes th- sense it's yeah it's like when i after i after noticing it in mon call and watching playtime i was like holy crap there's even more of it in that like it's like all over the yeah. place like all the yeah, office we'll, building stuff yeah yeah exactly so, we'll get there but i think playtime the sound design is even more so and like that that's a i see why you're saying the david lynch thing like that's a huge part of that movie is oh, just yeah. the sound yeah um, but, yeah, and it's like a bit of that is like started here, just like in little bits and drabs, and then it's like totally cranked up in the uh, playtime. Uh, anyway, so yeah, those are some of my thoughts on Mon on Coal. RJ, what did you think of it? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit it to you like this, Jared. I think that, uh, and we'll get there, but I think Playtime is a better movie because of the very elaborate. Uh, direction that went into that thing and all the sets and things. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. I actually think I liked Mon Uncle more. I I, th- I actually liked Mon Uncle quite a bit. I thought it was a good show. Uh, so if M who uh, Hello's Holiday was like oblivious humor, I think Mon Uncle is absurdist humor because a lot of it is just like real crazy shit that's not like unbelievable, but it's absurd where there are things that happen. You're just like, that's crazy. Isn't that crazy? But, uh, it's not in the old man style that I feel like the other one was. Mm -hmm. So, um, there, I think this movie does a really good job with a lot of stuff like that. Uh, what was I going to say? I got to gather my thoughts here. Um, I think mon uncle, mon uncle, my uncle, uh, I think this one's a lot more grounded uh, than either of the other two and a lot more relatable in a sense where you have this guy and he's kind of like going around the world where you see his at home life, you see at 
his his work life and he doesn't fit in with a lot of these things and they do a really good job of not like telling you that but just showing you like the way that the his family at the house kind of the way they do things like they're very routine style of like when guests come you turn the fountain on and it's like all about presentation and none of it is practical in any way and i think that's like a huge part of all of his movies but i think like playtime you see it a lot too but i think this one you actually see it more where uh where there are all these things that are completely impractical but because of aesthetics and like uh social um conceptions like it's what's desired like those people their house it's everything about it doesn't work very well like it's it's completely like it does it doesn't make sense like why would you live there like even to the point where there's there's a nice moment where like their whole house is this robot and it seems like really hard to navigate and then when everyone leaves at night uh the husband and wife pull uh, like watch tv and i feel like that's a really good moment but even to do that like they pull their chairs outside and then they watch the tv inside because of the way their house is set up and i thought that was a really good kind of i thought that spoke more of the movie than like any other scene because it's like this real simple thing that they're doing but even that is complicated and even in that they're like trying to make it less complicated even though it's like we'll just have a tv in your house and sit and watch it and i think that playtime has stuff like that too but uh, i think this movie has really relatable stuff like uh, there was one scene where uh, someone hands hubo uh, a sticky candy and then his fingers are just sticky for like a scene after and he's just like uh and like i feel like that all the time because i'm really sweaty all the time my palms are moist always so like whenever i touch something i always have it on my fingers for like ever and it really bugs me and i thought that scene was really relatable uh but i think this movie has really subtle stuff too like there's a scene where uh hello is walking through like this rubble and a brick falls over and he bends down and picks the brick and puts it back up to where it was but everywhere around him is like falling over brick and like concrete and stuff like that so it's it's like this really weird subtle thing where it's like why would you even bother but it makes sense it's funny uh what else is uh cool um this one has uh, some really cool design stuff like the mc escher house um that uh who lives in uh this one has lots of those double fake outs um where it's like you think the joke is going to happen and then it doesn't and that's part of the joke and then you think it's going to happen again and it doesn't and that's part of the joke but then it happens the third time so uh it does a lot of those and i think it actually works pretty good in this movie and then uh two other things uh oh actually one uh before that i i like i like the kids in this movie a lot mm-hmm. like the practical jokes that the kids play. oh yeah so like i i had like until i seen this movie i had never like seen the fat kid faking a fender bender trick yeah like that's like so yeah, like, like good <laughs> i i thought so i thought that was really funny but i really like the uh like the resolution of it where the guy is like hey you little punk kids and they get caught and all they do is like walk through the bars of the fence yeah. and just like move into the field and they're like what what are you gonna do like i thought that was really funny and then uh, i really like their whistle game where they like intentionally try to distract people so they walk into stuff uh so i thought that was cool uh and then the last two things i really liked uh the that lady vapes 
in this movie real hard. <laughs> uh, like she pu- puffs a cigarette and just like so much smoke comes out. And I was like, holy shit, she's vaping. Uh, and then uh, one of my all time favorite characters in the Criterion Creep so far is uh, the fat, greasy dude that makes uh, jam crullers in a in like an abandoned field. Uh, I love that. I think that was I thought that was so funny because it's like, you know what? If that was in my field where I grew up, I would be eating those jam crullers every day. So uh, I really like that. But uh, yeah, I think I think playtime is better because of uh, how much is put into it, uh, like a better film. But uh, I actually think I enjoyed my uncle more. That's fair. I, I, yep. I can see uh, you coming from there. Um, yep. My couple of notes, because like, again, it's like always hard to talk about comedies uh, when you're reviewing them because you're like explaining jokes. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, but there's the bits like I liked where uh, that snarling dog at that fish face uh, looking under the counter or the table when he's looking oh, for yeah. when he's at the market. Uh, that yeah. was very cute, snarling little dog. Uh, and like one of like the nicest little moments I think in this whole movie is uh, when he's getting, going up into his apartment. Uh, there's a bit where he opens up the he's opening up the door, and when he does, here's this bird make a call. And he's like trying to figure out every time he opens or closes it, here's his bird for a second. And he realizes it's because when he opens up the door, the angle that the light is reflecting the sun hits the bird right on. And when the sun is on the bird, it tweaks. Mm -hmm. So he does the nice thing and he leaves the door open for the bird. Mm -hmm. And then the bird just fills the space. And like the bird keeps making noise, like for like the whole rest of that sequence. And it's like, that's so good. (laughs) It's just like, like, like I'm, I'm pretty positive RJ that there is not a moment like that, uh, in Avengers infinity war. Um, I would just, I I, I would say, I would go on a limb and say that there's probably nothing quite like, uh, uh, a, uh, Tati like performance at Mm -hmm. all anywhere where there's like this, like physicality. Cause I mean, like we haven't even talked about like, the like the weird pacing and walking around of like everybody mm-hmm. like it's like I'm not sure how calculated that is like obviously with him like he's like like a mime like he's like this like professional like clown almost who's created this whole character and this persona and he's like like he has this particular way of walking and when you see mm-hmm. other people doing it it looks off but then you realize oh yeah he walks really weird like particular yep. in the next movie um but yeah, it's just like all this like little thought and attention and stuff like that. These moments that are like maybe allowed to breathe too much. Um, but like mm-hmm. these things that actually are like, oh, this actually feels like a real story that like people want to like, I don't know, I would like to inhabit. Like I, it's mm-hmm. like something that I'm like, oh, this is nice. And it's like this whole like ridiculous house and this like all these ridiculous things all layered on top of one another and how empty and hollow the contrast, like just subtle things where it's yeah. like, yeah, his apartment is this like dumpy little weirdo nightmare place but it seems like a house mm-hmm. and then like the the modernist house which is like seems to have more and more taken over like it's not like these films like were able to like kind of fight against the, what everything looks like where it's like emptiness and clean mm-hmm. clean cleanliness at every uh, corner your house has to be designed in a particular way you're just like why do you even think about that it's just like it has to have a house with the, something mm-hmm. to sleep on and something like that. But anyway, uh, I have another note here. Oh, that I love that the, the the thing that really clicked this movie back into place when I was rewatching it was the um, the water fountain sculpture. That oh, yeah. like that, that I think that's like so funny because it's like this thing that they turn on and off depending on if there's people that they have to impress, which makes it like the most pre- it is the most pretentious thing impossible. Like it mm-hmm. is the definition of it because it's about 
make it just for for show. That is all it's there for. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, it's oh, it's not somebody we care about. They turn it off. Like it's not about like a practical thing. Yeah. It is for show. And like, look at how wonderful we are. Look at our rock garden, our precious rock garden. Oh no, God, <laughs> there's dogs running around in it. It's gonna ruin it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I was just thinking, I'm like, if this movie like came out now. I feel like and it was like a like somehow was a successful hit movie like the equivalent of that water fountain sculpture. It would be like in comic book stores marketed toward people. It's like oh man, I love that thing. It's like the it's buddy ironic the, like buddy Jesus from Dogma. <laughs> like mm-hmm. how people like have to like have some piece of shit like the that that lamp from uh, Christmas Story. The, mm-hmm. the leg lamp like just like that would be kind of what it is but because it's this like 1958 French comedy no one even remembers this movie so it, it can't be touched by a crass commercialism which yeah. is, is good um, but yeah any other thoughts no I uh, I was surprised I liked uh, Mon Uncle, uh quite a bit cool alright yeah. next up and for me the main event Playtime mm-hmm. from 1967 this film has no tagline Uh, synopsis here clumsy Monsieur Hulot finds himself perplexed by the intimidating complexity of a gadget filled Paris he attempts to meet with a business contact but soon becomes lost his roundabout journey parallels that of an American tourist and as they weave through the inventive urban environment they intermittently meet developing an interest in one another they eventually get together at a chaotic restaurant along with several other quirky characters Um, so this movie is essentially broken up into six parts. Uh, mm-hmm. There's the airport, uh, there's the offices, there's mm-hmm. the trade exhibition, there's the apartments, there's the Royal Garden, and the Carousel of Cars. Uh, and it's like pretty like fine. Like these are very specific beats. Um, and I would say, unfortunately, a lot of the movie's runtime is set in one of these. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. The Royal Garden, the restaurant sequence. Um, because... I like so watching this again. Uh, this is a movie that like really like kind of blew me away when I watched it the first time. Like just like yeah. on a visual level, like I have never seen a movie that looks like this. Uh, like it looks so amazing to me. I mm-hmm. think I'd have to double check. I think it's the like most beautiful movie in the Criterion collection that we've watched to this point. Like mm-hmm. just like the cinematography, the colors, like it's nuts. Like I've like, it just doesn't make sense to me how this movie can exist the way that this thing looks. Um, yeah. And are, are you, did you happen to look up like the, like the history of I, this I movie? I didn't know it's, no, I uh, I heard there was some kind of troubled past, but I... Yeah, yeah, so this movie was a failure financially. Like, it yeah. it flopped, uh, I guess. Like, it didn't make its money back. But here, uh, this is from Wikipedia um, about the production. Uh, the film is famous for its enormous, specially constructed set and background stage uh, known as Tottyville, which contributed significantly to the film's large budget, said to be 17 million francs. And that's in like 1967. And he spent years making this movie because there's mm-hmm. a, there, because uh, the, the gap between Mononcle and this, it's like almost, it's like nine years. So he put a lot of time and effort into this thing. Um, and yeah. I'm sure he would have liked to have it come out sooner than it did. 
Uh, the set required a hundred construction workers to construct along with its own power plant. Uh, budget crises and other disasters stretched the shooting schedule to three years, including a, a 1.4 million francs in repairs after the set was damaged by storms. Tati observed correctly that the cost of building the set was no greater than what it would have cost to have hired Elizabeth Taylor or Sophia Loren for the leading role. Uh, budget overruns forced Tati to take out large loans and personal overdrafts to cover ever-increasing production costs. Uh, as playtime depended greatly on visual comedy and sound effects, Tati chose to shoot the film on the high-resolution 70-millimeter film format together with a complicated for its day stereophonic soundtrack. Uh, to save money, some of the building facades and the interior of the Aurelie? Or- uh, Come on. Or- it's Aurelie? I think it is. Set were actually giant photographs. The photographs also had the advantage of not reflecting the camera or lights. The Paris landmarks uh, Barbara sees reflected Barbara sees reflected in the glass doors are also photographs. Tati also used real uh, life-size cutout photographs of people to save money on extras. <laughs> These cutouts are noticeable in some of the cubicles when Hulot overlooks the maze of offices and in the deep background in some of the shots at ground level from one office building to another. Um, and the one thing that this mentions in the, when I was reading about this movie, and I was like thinking back through like all these movies, is like he doesn't use close-ups at all. I guess, yeah. Like it's like weird to like think about that. Apparently, he found them like in bad taste. Like that's like one mm-hmm. of his things. But it's like yeah, because his thing is like about the body. It's about the physicality of it, and he wants to see the whole body. And when you're shooting seventy millimeter, it's like you have a lot of film. You can shoot a whole lot of a person and get mm-hmm. way more out of it. So this movie is like always shot at this kind of distant level. Like you never really get particularly close. Um, and like you know how people get really worked up about seventy millimeter like film mm-hmm. nowadays. They're like oh, I saw Phantom Thread in seventy mil. I mean, Phantom Menace, D- Dunkirk, uh, mm-hmm. uh, not Jingle any Chains. Quentin movie, the, 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 all the Quentin movies now, they're all gonna be 70 mil, and everyone's gonna go, Oh mm-hmm. boy, I saw that and that, blah blah blah. Well, <laughs> I mean, this movie really earns its bigness, I think. Um, bigly, bigly, man. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, th- th- again, I this is like, yeah, one of the most beautifully shot movies I've seen. Um, and holy crap, I am so now in the mind of Tati in David Lynch movies. Cause there's like mm-hmm. so much stuff, like all those scenes in like Twin Peaks and his movies where there's like these long drawn out moments of characters, like walking in a space and leaving and then coming back in real time. And you're like, mm-hmm. why is this being filmed this way? Like the, the famous broom scene <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> in the return. Um, there's like the old man banker, uh, at the end of the Twin Peaks TV series, uh, the season two one, uh, there's this old man slowly making his way across the space. The, all his movies have these moments. And I'm always like, Oh, it's just like, he doesn't even probably think about it anymore. He's like kind of incorporated into his own, like, um, his own oeuvre. method, his oeuvre. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's just like, yeah, no, it's like, he's like so absorbed Tati. And like, I was like watching this and I was like, Oh fuck this. Is like totally like all the, all the dougie stuff is completely playtime. Um, and yeah, so anyway, there's this like, there's, there's another, sorry to interrupt. Oh, there's go, another go David Lynchian thing that I thought was really funny was, uh, when the lady's trying to take a picture of the flower stand and like people <sighs> keep interrupting her. Yes. There's one lady that like walks in between the flower flower stand and stops. And then she looks over and she sees the ladies trying to take a picture of it. And then she kind of looks back and then she looks and she like has like this 
kind of gross look on her face. She's like, really? Mm-hmm. And then she sits there for like, I don't know, like five seconds and just stands there and you're just like, hmm. And then like walks by. And that like now that you mention it, that really reminds me of Lynch stuff because I thought that scene was really funny because like not not even this the whole scene like or the scene as a whole just that one moment where the lady just stands in front of it she's just like what are you gonna do she's just standing there she's like what what so anyways but yeah lynch stuff he's 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 in there um yeah yeah, and like yeah like i said like the ambient room noise hums in this movie like Mm -hmm. just like suggesting like the machinery behind those uh glass concrete metal walls and stuff like that mm-hmm. um yeah there's just like so many like the first hour of this movie is like really really good like i i was like sucked mm-hmm. totally into it um there's just these like yeah like there's like bits like where it's like uh him like having to sit while waiting for a man to walk down the hall that he's meeting and it's like there's like the kind of like the security guy who's like kind of oh keep keep seated he's not here yet Mm-hmm. So I was seeing where he's just walking, 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 walking. And he's like kind of getting <laughs> fidgety. And then he waits too long. And then the guy's wait, yeah. waiting a second. He's like, oh, geez, oh, I got to get up. It's like stuff like that. It's like uh, it, it's it plays out because of like, I don't know if it's because of between the cinematography and like the crazy architectural space that he has to play with. He's like mm-hmm. adapted his like what he's doing with, say, like back in like um, uh, in the holiday one. Whereas, like, that's just, like, him, like, kind of more or less probably figuring out movies and how to make a feature-length film. Whereas, this point, like, he's been making movies now for 20 years. He only ever made six movies, but by this point, it seems like Mm -hmm. he's, like, at, like, a peak of, like, his film craft. And he's just, like, hey, let's just shoot this stuff and make, like, humor out of, like, these ridiculous spaces that we make for ourselves that are totally impractical and alienating and dehumanizing. Um, And so he's got, like, Mm -hmm. even more to go with. And, like, he's building on all these themes from Mononcle. And I've seen, like, some uh, uh, reviews at the time when this movie came out kind of, like, said that some of the, like, the his critiques of modernism might've been more relevant when he wrote this, like in the late fifties, like in the Mononcle era. And so by 1967, it was like played out. But like, I mean, we're watching this movie in 2018 and like, I think it's like the, the, the horrors of modernism and consumerism are like far worse. And like, no one challenges these things at all anymore. Like people are just like, people are just kind of going along with it. Even people who like would identify as like, you know, and narco leftists they're all still posting on facebook about watching fucking infinity war and stuff like that like <laughs> like they're they're all like they can't wait they're they're really excited that uh disney and uh fox might have a merger so they can watch their superheroes united again and now comcast is going to come along and and break up the party and ruin it ruin it for everyone no more fantastic four from the russo brothers nuts anyways um yeah so back to this movie uh uh-huh. Yeah, so I, one thing I've also came to mind, have you ever read any Chris Ware comics before? Like the guy who does like Acme Novelty Library, Jimmy Corrigan, like that, those nah. like indie art comics? Okay. Nah, nah. Yeah, there, there's no movies based on his stuff because yeah. there's, there's no way you can adapt his comics as movies and make them as interesting as they are as comics. They are 100% stories that exist purely as comics. Well, if you look him up, do a Google image search, folks, if you don't know who Chris Ware is. His oh, stuff fuck. is like kind of about... I mean, like when I think of his comics, uh, it's kind of like humanity is prisoners of our own forms and systems was the note I made on myself. Like he has this cold, calculated, super precise way of drawing everything. And he applies it to every single thing he draws from book design to like his actual comic books, where it's just about people uh, kind of going through lives 
And he breaks down like the minutia of life in these like really like insanely detailed like ways where like everything moments are split into halves and stuff like that. Like it's really kind of hard to explain without like actually showing you and kind of walking you through kind of how his comics work. But it's like he draws it all by hand. It looks like it's done by machines, but he's like kind of figure out this whole style of drawing. Um, and like I was thinking about kind of like how that's how this movie frames a lot of the action. Cause it's like, everything's in these pains. Like there's like a bit where it's like literally panels, like on a side of a wall where you're watching from across the street, like all these people having dinner at night before they go out for the evening kind of thing, having drinks, uh, pre-gaming before the mm-hmm. night at the town. And, uh, it's just like this camera kind of passing back and forth between these like rooms on the side of this building. Um, and you can't hear anything. Um, there's, there's not even word balloons to, like, to know what they're saying inside. But uh, yeah, like that Chris Ware is another like kind of reference point. I think I think I, I wonder if he's like a, a fan of these Tati movies. He might be because he's a bit of a grandpa. Mm-hmm. Um, like you. Like me. Uh, yeah, one of the bits that I, I thought was like pretty great and jumped out at me uh, in this movie, uh, watching it again was the little old lady selling the flowers in the middle of uh, materialist modernist hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. She's selling these flowers. And then, of course, like, I started thinking, I'm like, holy crap. This, like, whole, like, area, this this Tottyville, there's no trees. <laughs> there's, like, mm-hmm. there's no, like, vegetation. There's no grass. It's just, like, lampposts for trees and like synthetic trees and it's like oh there's like some real here's here's like a little a little old lady selling flowers mm-hmm. and people are like oh how novel and it's just this concrete hell um and it's like I, I don't know no green strip which is like now a big concern of course with urban planning uh mm-hmm. nowadays but like yeah i mean in this particular world it takes that idea much further into this thing where it's like yeah you don't even need that you just need vacuum cleaners and doors that don't slam that sort of mm-hmm. thing. I thought that stuff all was real practical. The vacuum cleaner <laughs> with the headlights. Yeah. Why not? Make... A lady even mentions that while they're getting the demonstration. Mm-hmm. She says, Oh, how practical. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah. yeah. And of course uh, the other bit uh, before I hand it off to you, cause I've got other notes too, but I, I really enjoyed mm-hmm. the, uh, the excitement of American tourists seeing consumer product exhibitions of American things in France. Like mm-hmm. that, that's such a, a real thing about people who get really excited about being able to eat the food they can eat at home, but abroad abroad. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I can, uh, I can speak to that. Uh, when I was in China, I went to a McDonald's and it was wild. It was wild, man. And, uh, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. <laughs> did you have, uh, what did you have? Big Mac and fries. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't go in there. Uh, a couple guys that we were with went in and just got like 30 meals. And they just brought them out. So I had that. You know what, Jerry? Tasted pretty much the same. Hmm. It was wild. That's what I'm telling you. Uh, anyways, did you throw it to me? Uh, I guess so. I mean, I guess I could also say. I, so, oh, yeah. Oh, 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 so, yeah. I like, yeah, from the airports bit, like the, the offices, the trade exhibition stuff. Uh, I, I love all that stuff. The apartments, it's such a come down. Cause like the, mm-hmm. the first bit has so much movement. And so when we get to the apartment bit, uh, it like slows down quite a bit and it shifts, yeah. it shifts gears. Cause now it's night. And so you have this like, kind of like, you're now you're just kind of like watching like sort of like, uh, these gags and stuff like that from like a, or a bit of a removal. So you're not like really mm-hmm. kind of in it. But then of course, uh, it goes back into kind of this big flow when it goes to the, the nightclub scene, the Royal garden. And it's way too long. <laughs> 
it's yes. like god like over a half hour of like kind of the same sort of restaurant jokes that you were mm-hmm. mentioning before in uh holiday and like, like there's like he does uh and I don't know. Like it's it, it could it could be condensed for me. Uh, as things because like you, I mean the whole idea is that you're building up the breakdown of everything. Like people's clothes are breaking down, part of the ceilings are collapsing, lights aren't working, and it keeps mounting and mounting and mounting. It seems like people are just like fine and they're having a good time, um, and it just and it goes on. Uh, and it, a part of the thing too is like because it really like steps away from Tati as like the, the character that you're following, and it's just a bunch yeah. of people that you're just like okay, okay, this is going to go keep going right. And so, yeah, I mean, to me, it's, it's like kind of like the I kind of checked out at that point when I watched it and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I remember this. This is like way less interesting than that first hour where I was like nonstop, just like totally sucked into like those skylines, those buildings. Um, and then you get like kind of like the, the final sequence, which is like the big go home spot. Um, this magical lights coming on uh, street lights sort of mm-hmm. thing. But uh, yeah, I don't. Know. I'll, I'll hand it off to you, RJ, uh, for now. What, what what did you think of that playtime? So yeah, you want to know what I think about playtime, huh? So I think that, uh, like I said earlier, I actually think I liked Mon Uncle more. But I think Playtime's a better movie for a few reasons. Like the amount of this is very obvious uh, to anyone who watched it. The amount of detail in like the sets and all that stuff and how it's orchestrated and like how it's synchronized everything like it's it's choreographed really in a, in a really nice way. Like everything flows perfectly, like exactly how it's supposed to. And I think for that alone, it's, it's kind of like an amazing piece of cinema. Like just the way that Tati kind of put it all together. It's like, yeah, it's real impressive the way a lot of this stuff works. Uh, I think you touched on most of the things that I really liked as well. Like, I think the office stuff is pretty cool. Um, I like, like, the flower shop. I like those weird contrasts that they have. Uh, I also, though, think that this thing kind of, like all of them, it overstays its welcome. Yeah. It's just too, it's just too long. Yeah, two hours and, and uh, five minutes. <laughs> a huge chunk of that is because you get about, what is it, like 30 minutes in that restaurant? Yeah about 30 35 minutes and it's it's like you're saying it it seems like like you know what they they're going for it's this breakdown of stuff but it's just too much it's mm-hmm. like you could wrap this up a little bit earlier even though there's there's scenes there that i actually like quite a bit like uh where that one table keeps getting presented the same piece of fish yes. and it keeps getting like seasoned uh, seasoned yeah. like like by like eight people. Uh, and then there's another scene I really like where one of the drunks gets put into one of the chairs. Uh, like it's like a cone chair made of wires and he falls over and they pick it up and then they put him inside. So he like won't fall over anymore. Yeah. I, I related to that. I was like, that's fun. <laughs> so there's scenes in the restaurant that I like too. And I think, I don't know. I think Tati must've just either really loved restaurants or he worked there until he was a film director well, or something. I guess France is a uh, cafe culture. So I guess mm-hmm. he's maybe spent a lot of time thinking about stuff and going, Oh man, what if that happened right now? Shit. Put what in, if an American came book. in and wrecked the place? He's probably, yeah, that's so. probably, and it probably happened lots. But yeah. And then other than that, like, I think it's, I do really like the weird sterile environment. Like, all the the business industry type stuff that's there uh that's pretty cool 
I I think the sound design is really special in this movie. Like the way it's so exaggerated and like so much attention is put to it. I think that's also uh, like a huge mark on this. But uh, I don't know, man. I don't actually have a whole lot to say about Playtime. I, I enjoyed watching it. I think it's really it's a very cool movie because of how much is put into it. Uh, I. I don't like it as much as the second one, but uh, I do think it's better just because of all of the those details that's in there. So it's it's a good show. I just don't have a whole lot to say. Right. Yeah. I mean, to me, like this is just like kind of like almost borders on like an art film more than anything yeah. else. Like yeah, as yeah. far as like it's big film qualities and stuff like that. Like people always lose their shit over like a Matthew Barney and stuff like that, and uh, like kind of like where it's like really making real art. Whereas this is like still trying to make this comedy, but he's like kind of like decided like, I'm going to make this like crazy. I'm going to build a, I'm going to build a, a city and yeah. uh, I'm going to make a fake town to make a comedy in, which is like ridiculous. Cause it's like, he's moved up through this world of like from the holiday where he shot it like on location where there's actually a bronze statue of him uh, there now. Uh, using, oh, it like, wasn't there for the movie? No, uh, oh, okay. it, it didn't pre-exist uh, before he shot a film there. Um, so then like, yeah, you have Mon Call where he keeps building up these like stakes where it's like, f- f- like yeah, from like real location to building a house, like having this like crazy mm-hmm. modernist house to an entire city. Um, that's like, I don't know, it's like a monstrosity, I guess. Yeah, there, there's like the one uh, photo, like there's a one bit, like there's a still that like, I'm like, fuck, that's so good. And it's like, brutal and it's like a the travel agency there's it's a brief bit where you see all these posters advertising Mm -hmm. all these places you can travel hawaii berlin japan and every single one they have like a photo of the location but with one of those modernist buildings in it and they're all the exact and they're the exact same building over and over and over again and it's like travel to here travel to here and it's just like yup Everywhere you're going to go, it's all going to look the same eventually. Um, and then mm-hmm. there's um, there's the one part, actually a neat little thing. Uh, at the, behind the travel agent, there's like a, a map of the world, a world map. And it's actually the exact same world map design from uh, Mon Cole in the plastics office, where it's like mm-hmm. emanating from a point in France with all these points flying, spreading out across the globe and exporting itself. The same uh, yeah. logos used in both those things. And I don't think it's like, it's like slightly different, but it's the same idea. And I'm like, oh, neat. that's kind of nice uh, attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the other good uh, worthless p- pieces of shit design things that I think is super funny is the uh, the Greek pillar garbage can. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like throw the tagline, isn't it? It's like throw it away like a Greek or something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It's so it's great. It's like man, that's that's like yeah, get rid of anything that looks different than modernism. Um, yeah, and there's like another little bit. I think like behind that um, the logo of the the globe. Uh, graphic design there's like where he's like kind of looking at the behind scene of it like like kind of behind the board and you just see like the rolling chair and the feet of the guy who's like taking responding to all the people booking travel stuff and he's just all you see is his feet sliding around and it's just like little detail like you were mentioning like all the details in this movie that you can just like pick up on different people in the background and they're doing something like everyone's got a little role that they're fulfilling somewhere in the background um there's like the one that even like bit where uh his his old army buddies like once is trying to find him. I think it's, I think it's the army mm-hmm. buddy. And he keeps seeing guys that look like 
talk, like, they're, they're dressed as Hulo, but they're not him. Like there's like the uh, the black guy, <laughs> and it's just like, but he's got the hat and the jacket, and he's he's tall, and like, they're, but they're also doing like the Hulo walk, but it's like slightly off because they. They have never done it really before outside of this movie, so they don't have quite the mannerisms. So it's kind of this weird exaggeration of it. But it's like mm-hmm. at that point, I was like, "Oh, yeah, he does have that weird walk." Um, and then you start like noticing how everybody kind of has like weird little walks and stutters and stuff like that, and they sometimes are just stopped and they completely just start walking. It, it's yeah, it's it's a magical kind of movie, I think. Uh, wow, I don't think yeah. I've ever heard you say anything like that on this podcast ever. It's I, really just magical, you know. Yeah, it's, it's really magical. It's got it, so it much is. I'm stuff. I'm yeah. bugging you, but yeah. it, it actually is like it. It's it's pretty cool to yeah. see all this stuff kind of put together. And so. there's like I think there's like the other one too is like um like this guy getting on a bus with this newly bought lamp that he got from the trade exhibition, and then the yeah. guy gets up behind him and he grabs the the pole, thinking it's like the post on the bus. It's quite mm-hmm. good. And then you get some follow up to that. Even when he's like, he doesn't realize he's about to tip over and Tati kind of, or Hulo grabs it and has like steady it for him. And then they, it works mm-hmm. out when they both hold it. And it's just like, yeah, that's nice. What a great little attention to detail. It all is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, uh, yeah, I, I think playtime is amazing, but I, yeah, like I said, like there's, cool. it's, it does have like that's that like quarter of the movie where it's like, okay, get on with it so i mean it's not a perfect movie but it's got like all that like the stuff that's going for it is like unlike mm-hmm. anything i've seen yeah i'm with you dude nice dude <laughs> so you know so there's gonna be some people who are not with me uh i can imagine there's quite a few people who don't like playtime but all i mean all of these or all of them, any, yeah. any any of that tati business so gotta get started uh the first two here are for uh, monster hulo's holiday Lewin Davis, one star. I don't really understand how these are considered jokes or gags. Things just sort of happen. I mean, there are some legitimate jokes and gags, but most of them are just, well, things. Yeah. Is that not what all of life is? Just things? Things. Moments. P.S. Palace, one and a half star. I don't want to be the one to say this, but Monster Hulo's Holiday is not on par with Mr. Bean's Holiday, which may come as a direct descendant of it. I know I'm supposed to say that humor is subjective and Hulo may be someone else's cup of tati, <laughs> but I would be challenged to find a single person who could laugh even once during the runtime of this comedy. The most the movie has going for it is a couple of sputtering car sound effects which wear out their welcome really fast while the rest of the predictable gags go to show that all good humor has an element of pain, something that Toddy is unwilling to inflict on any party. I would recommend Monster Monster Holiday Holiday Hulo to everybody who watched every Frames of Painting video on Edgar Wright and thereby thinks that the Cornetto movies are the funniest of the century, if not ever. What? What? What I I don't really understand where he jumped to Edgar Wright to I start going. Don't know. I don't. I never once thought of Edgar Wright watching these movies. No. They're not. They're not even the same country. I guess people think because well, they're comedies, so they're the same. Oh oh. Uh, so Mononcle, one star mm. from Heretic. Worst thing Tati ever did. So, of course, it won an Oscar. Did that movie win an Oscar? Uh, Best foreign film? Maybe. 
Cool. Check it. I'm down with that. All right. Uh, Ryan gave this one star. Man, I didn't get it. Every once in a while, I chuckled, but for the most part, I was just bored. I didn't really understand much of the plot or sequence of events. I recognize what the central idea was supposed to be, but it just gets beaten into you for two hours. Why are this guy's family so tech-hungry? Why isn't he? I just didn't get it, and maybe I'll revisit it again someday, although to be honest, that's unlikely. But for now, I was quite underwhelmed. Um, Playtime is an amazing film, and this just didn't measure up for me at all transitioning to playtime haters sean Heenum, half a star huh sorry i tried i don't like anything about this movie i didn't laugh once and it only made me smile one time i'm sure i must be missing something and i'm sure i'll make somebody mad with this rating but i'm not going to lie about it and pretend i didn't hate this movie my first tati perhaps he is not for me there's so much rhyming with Tati. Tati. Uh, by the way, this one, best foreign film in 1958. Oh. And it's sandwiched between two other Criterion movies we've covered, Knights of Kiberia and Black Orpheus. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, big Fellini's on this uh, list a lot. Same with uh, Bergman. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, Criterion's on here. That in, the, in, that, in, that foreign, in the foreign winners, yeah. Yeah, in the foreign section. But yeah, it's Knights uh, of Kiberia, then uh, My Uncle, and then Black Orpheus. Look at that. Three three years in a row, baby. Yeah, the Criterion sweep. Uh, and then finally, Hannah Kay, one star for Playtime. A few years a few years ago, I watched uh, Monsieur Hulot's Holiday as part of my very first movie challenge, and I didn't care for it at all. To quote from that review, what I ended up with was seven slapstick gags spaced out uh, through an hour and a half movie and intersped with 15 minute scenes of people carrying around ice cream cones, setting up beach umbrellas, and quietly sitting uh, drinking tea. Tati's style of humor is so subtle and slice of life that it barely registers for me at all as comedy. Playtime appears to have just plopped a camera down in various businesses and let it run. Wow. I enjoy people watching, but if I'm going to people watch, I'll just go out and do that. I'm not going to watch a movie about people watching that hasn't even chosen the most interesting parts to show me. Oh, boy. Um, okay. So what what is his problem? Hannah Kay uh, apparently just didn't think there's anything remarkable about how this movie was shot at all. Just thought it was at various businesses. <laughs> Just, wow! You should happen to look that way. What are their favorite movies? I don't know. You, you can you can tell God, me. Dang, dang it! Don't dang get, it! Don't, don't, don't get sucked into this. These people. These people. I'll look into it. Was that for uh, Playtime or My Uncle? That's Playtime. It's Hannah K is the person. Hannah K. Yeah. All right. I'll look into it. I'll look into it. Um, H at the end. H, H at the beginning. Hannah. All right. Uh, Hanake is from California. Their favorite movies. Jarrett Pick, Casablanca. Jarrett Pick, Love Actually. Jarrett Pick, Annie Hall. And Jarrett Pick, Moulin Rouge. Oh, boy. Oh, this lady just watched Akira, and she gave it a three and a half out of five. Wow. So if you're listening to the preamble, you can hear what we have to say about Akira. And anime in, in general. And anime in general. Oh, uh, this lady just watched Isle of Dogs and gave it three stars. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Digging I'm skeptical. Deep. 
I'm digging deep. I'm looking at uh, their five star films oh. now. Doctor Horrible Sing Along Song. <laughs> Uh, Spider Man. Ooh, Jarrett Pick, Chicago. Mm. Chicago. Mm. Uh, other things, movies that are actually good. <laughs> Holes, Vanilla Sky. Um, my cousin Vinny. What the fuck? It's late. All right, it's, it's late, RJ. It's time, All right, it's, not, it's time to go home. All right, okay, we're done here. Uh, Jacques Titi. We will. We'll see him again one day and i actually at that point we should also watch that uh the illusionist uh animated movie because that's like an adaptation of one of his uh unfinished screenplays i believe the edward norton film with paul giamatti <laughs> yeah that one and the same the illusionist yeah is that what you're talking about yeah cool there's, a, there's an animated movie too uh anyways after the break nothing really violent happens to anybody uh, in Tati movies, so RJ and I will uh, walk around in a mannered fashion until the end. Until you starts. don't. Yep. Yep. I have to ask, uh, how does the escapades of uh, Jacques Tati at that uh, lakeside, riverside, oceanside uh, resort measure up to your escapades when you go down south to Montana and uh, whoop it up? Well, actually, they're pretty much the same. That's exactly what happens when I go out on uh, my escapades. Very whimsical. Very whimsical. Actually, though, I'm going on a stake this weekend. Oh, shit. Yeah, to uh, Pistown, Alberta, Edmonton. Monsieur Belog's holiday. Uh-huh. So uh, I think there's going to be some activity this weekend. So uh, tune in next week for Tales of Interest. What a... That's of a... Uh, hear what I puke in this weekend. <laughs> that's right. Uh, you can email us at criterionincrease@gmail.com and tell us what you puke in. We got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterbox. We've got a Patreon. We've got YouTube. We're all over. We're taking over. We even got that. We even got that URL tag of YouTube.com/slash Criterion Creeps. Ooh, baby. Yeah, that's right. Big wheel at the Cracker Factory. Uh, we're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, all those good things. Next week, if RJ survives. We're watching Spine 113, Big Deal on Madonna Street from 1958, directed by some guy named Mario Monticelli. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> this does. That's not a, the real movie we're watching next week. That, is it? that is the real movie we are watching next. Come on. <laughs> that's not a real movie. <laughs> It's it's Italian. I'm going to Big hazard a guess. Big Deal Madonna by Mario Monticelli. Monticelli, yes. Big Deal on Madonna Street from 1958. Believe it. Jesus. That's not good. I'm out of here. I'm done. <laughs> I'm going to go puke all weekend. I'm not coming back. Good night, folks.